children, welcome to the brand new episode of Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast in all the known galaxy here. Why, it's us, the host with the most. It's me, Uncle Ben. And it's me, Hollywood Steve. No one else. I have not been infected by anything. I'm A-OK. Are you sure? Well, okay. I I do have to admit, yes... My fingers are turning slowly into... They look long. Yeah. Really long. And they're actually crab legs now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have some drawn butter in the fridge we could heat up. Mmm, we could eat Start cracking those things up, yeah. All Sounds right. nice, you know? Why didn't they ever think of that? I did notice when you got here tonight that your hair is extra tenderly today. Yeah, I'm tenderling up. Wow. Trying to, you know... Whatever, maybe take over a few dogs. Yeah? Assimilate there. Well, you brought a dog with you, even. Oh, shit. It's on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Working that HP Lovecraft sheet. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, how are you doing this week? Are you sleepy Steve today? I'm sleepy Steve right now. Sleepy I don't know. Steve. Um, I've been, I've been, I don't know, just sleeping in three-hour shifts. Yeah. How's that? That's supposed to be like the fucking Einstein thing, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not doing it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> is it my sinuses are are have been really clogged because we we had all the the leaves fall. And yeah, normally yeah. they have like you know a long time to decompose and the right. pretty cool weather. Well, not only did they fall, then we had like a shit ton of rain, so they yeah. got good and damp. Good and damp, but then it also decided to get up into the 60s. Yeah, so they're like really decomposing fast. A lot of mildew in the air, and it's really. Um, you know, uh, what do they call that? Humid. Yeah, it's humid It's out really there. humid, yeah. so it's just like sticking to my sinuses Ugh. and my face and stuff. I've been noticing myself having a little bit of the puffy eyes and yeah. the puffy face my, in the mornings and stuff. Been, mine get really pink. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and I mean, that's a great excuse if I ever get pulled over for any reason. Yeah. My eyes are really pink because I have allergies. Because of the allergies and the glaucoma. Yeah, I'm allergic to the... T- Dank bud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's just your typical, you know, balmy January weather that yeah, we used to have, right? Yeah, normal everyday January weather. Completely normal. Yeah. So that's been fucking with me. I Because, like, you know, if you can't breathe, you can't sleep. I think the new method that we do, though, is that every time we meet some just mega ultra GOP MAGA uh-huh. motherfucker, we, we just be like, you know what I'm fucking loving? This climate change. This I love great. it. I lo- I've best. never felt more democratic in my life. <laughs> Something about having warmth in January yeah. that just it makes me want to go out and vote for Hillary. Hey, free hand of the market decides, okay? Exactly. It decides if we want to live on a planet. <laughs> and then they'll be like, we got to do something about this climate change. Just getting them libs all riled up. Hey, I love it. It's the best. <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez and climate change for 2020. Oh, dude, man, her and that that scandalous dance, though. Oh, look man, out! That, I don't know. I don't know if any GOP people actually got upset about that. I wonder that, about that. That was one of those things that, like, I didn't see any of my uh, family or extended family that are that yeah. type saying anything about. Same. But I saw a ton of. My liberal friends being like, oh, does this piss you off? And it's like, right. I don't think anybody's actually pissed by that. Well, it's kind of like every time you see this shit that gets shared around Facebook, it's like, liberals want babies to be called babies. It's that yeah. fake shit we've talked about before. Yeah. Where it's like, this isn't real, though. Yeah. Like, but nobody is asking What is real is that they are constantly talking about her. 
Ben Shapiro, who's a piece of shit. Oh, he's fucking obsessed. Yeah. That guy fucking sucks. Yeah, but he did he did uh, have a tweet that was like, nobody's talking about this dancing thing or whatever. And somebody pointed out, yeah, but your last 20 tweets were about Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, so, seriously. Holy like, shit. Like, you guys are obsessed. And but, they are. But they are getting on to her about wanting to, I don't know, make rich people pay more taxes yeah because here's the thing that they yeah. don't understand you have to literally force uh, rich people to be generous here's the thing our, <laughs> you our, have to I don't I just don't think that our budget and, and all that stuff should be up to politicians it should no. be up to economists who know they're, what they're talking about and guess what Paul Krugman is one of those and guess what he says about Ocasio-Cortez huh. plan it's great really in fact 70% is too low wow holy yeah. shit most economists agree 73, around 73, 74% is where high income brackets should be taxed. Well, and when you say high, you don't mean people making 250000 a year. You're talking about fucking billionaires. I want you to think about this. The people who think that they're high earners yeah. don't even make $250,000 a year. Right, yeah, the yeah, yeah. The people you know that are real worried about every tax hike don't make enough money to afford two cars. Right, yeah. But they think, I'm making more money than all those meth heads I know. They're trying to take my money. <laughs> I'm over here working. No, in They're fact, just mooching off the They're system. trying to make your life better. Yeah, exactly. You asshole. <laughs> they're trying to make your boss that owns that corporation mm -hmm. that you work for maybe yeah. pay more. And this is a thing people <laughs> don't get either is, okay, so you're taxed according to the bracket. So, yeah. If there's 70% uh, tax on everything over $10 million, that means if you make $10,100,000, you pay taxes on the $10 million below that bracket, mm -hmm. and then you pay 70% tax on $100. Right. Everything not over seven, that line. Not 70% of $10 million. Well, it would just be a real shame if they you know, informed people about this stuff. Yeah, if instead of informing people about it, they just get them riled up and foaming at the mouth and yeah. upset. They're going to take my money and my job. And what my am guns? I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the true face of horror listeners. Yeah, it is. <laughs> also, what about this awesome-ass uh, Pakistani-American saying, let's impeach this motherfucker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking amazing. Oh, no, I will tell you this, people though. People did get pissed about people that. People did get pissed about Legit. that. And I saw, like, a bunch of, uh, again, super right-wing people being like, I just cannot believe this hateful, violent speech. And it's like... Your president said, grab him by the pussy. Your president said, kick the shit out of him. Your yep. president said, beat him up, I'll pay your lawyer's fees. Mm -hmm. As yep. As fucking rallies. Yep. And then you want to criticize somebody for saying impeach this person who's literally treasonous and yeah. a traitor? Yep. Those, those <laughs> that's, are, I mean, that's unbelievable. That's the standard for women. The standard for women is you always have to oh, be better. Oh, that's the difference. It you was have a to woman be better than right. men. Yeah. So if you're not, you're failing and you're, uh, I believe President Trump said that she had, uh, uh, like, a shame shamed her ancestors. Steve, how's your week been? You been watching anything good this week, dude? I don't know. Have I? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've been watching. I've been keeping up with BoJack Horseman. Still going through. Okay, I still need to start it, man. Yeah, I like. I haven't had a whole lot of time, and it's nice when you have a show that you have watched that you can just throw on and not pay attention to. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes pay attention to. That's why we always have like 
you know, seasons of friends going. Right. Always good for that. Yeah, we do always sunny in Philadelphia a lot. Also a great mm-hmm. choice, man. Or also Bob's Burgers. Parks and Rec is good for that too. Parks and Rec, yeah. Yeah, that's always a good show you can just put mm-hmm. on and just kind of like watch or not watch. Yeah. 30 Rock as well. Although you miss a lot of jokes when you do that 30 Rock. Yeah, I mean, you miss a lot with all those shows, honestly. It's just like, I've seen... I don't know though. I, I every time I watch Always Sunny, I catch something new, and I've seen right. that a million times. So like, uh, but I don't feel a pressure to watch it. Mm-hmm. Every time you put something new on, it's like, well, if I don't pay attention to this and I don't like it, it's because I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. And then if I do pay attention to it and I don't like it, it's like, well, maybe I need to push through it. Sometimes you don't like something immediately and it gets mm-hmm. better, and it's just like a whole fucking job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Take on a new show. No doubt. Here's the next six hours of my life determined. It's kind of like starting a new RPG or something where you're just like, I got to learn this new battle system. Yeah. Uh, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? Why did they change the archery to where you no longer have to aim considering the wind? Yeah. I get that Skyrim. (laughs) Oblivion had a better archery system. Really? Yeah, I think so. Right. Well, you had to. You had to aim like. If you're shooting from far away, of course, you know, an arrow is sort of, mm-hmm. yep. you know, is affected by gravity. But then know. if you play Skyrim, you just, you just put the reticle on what you want to hit and shoot. Boom. It's easy. Boom shot. It's ridiculous. Steve, I need to get me a pull. Yeah. What type of pull? I need myself a gravitational pull. Oh, damn. Good thing we have two pint cans of this uh, bearded iris gravitational pull IPA which claims to be a galaxy citra and mosaic hopped kind of scenario. This, of course, coming from the private estate of the notorious RDM, Roger Uh D. Miller, who donated these beers to our most dark and evil cause. I love me a bearded iris. I don't think I've ever had this one before. Have you? I haven't, but I will tell you this. If you're looking for a gravitational pull, check out Greg down on Gay Street. Yeah? That dude will give you a gravitational pull. You don't say. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn. Pull it right off. (laughs) It smells really good. It does. It's a 6.9% ABV. By the way, uh, I didn't say Gay Street as like a gay thing. Gay Street is actually like a downtown street street here in Knoxville. Yeah. It's kind of a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, it was... I mean, yeah, Gary, he is gay, but like... That's not why he's on Gay Street. I mean, he doesn't even have to be gay. He might just be poor. He needs to pull some dudes to make some money. Hey, maybe he does. This looks like thick lemonade. It's super, super foggy, super yellow, man. It looks like pineapple juice is exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Super cloudy, really golden yellow. Smells great. It smells fantastic. I'm feeling I'm going to like this. I'm always kind of looking to find a um, a bearded iris that will dethrone the beloved Homestyle IPA because that thing is just amazing. How do you feel about that? Is it ponderous? Is it mighty? It is a, a ponderous tome. Um, grapefruity. Ooh. Kind of oh. lighter than you expect, but then it's also like boom to your tongue. That is very similar to the to the home style. It is. It's more on the grapefruity side yeah. and less on the orangey side. Yeah. More grapefruity, which little drier. I prefer. Yeah. Yeah, drier. Not sweet really at all. Oh, man, that is fucking ferocious good. Yeah, it's great. I mean, seriously, th- this might dethrone Homestyle. It's got a little bit less of the peppery mm. thing that Homestyle yeah. has that can be kind of nice, but sometimes it's a little too much. This is very smooth. Oh, Lord of mercy. That's fantastic. I feel centrifugal force. You don't say. Pulling me in. 
Well, but how does that work on our flat Earth? There is no gravity. Oh, right. That's true. And we're we're talking about a movie today set on the ice wall. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Because Antarctica is not a real place. Right. Yeah. It's just a wall of ice well, keeping know, the water from falling off. That answers my question because I was saying to myself, <laughs> what are they doing up there the whole time? <laughs> They're being guards. Yeah. Keeping watch. Yeah. Recently, a man just traversed all of Antarctica. No, he didn't. Yeah. I wonder if he, like, if he ever gets, like, because I imagine if you're preparing for something like that, you're preparing for a few years. Yeah. Like, he may not have heard some people believe in a flat earth. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he might be at a party at some point, and they'll be like, oh, what have you been up to? He's like, well, I walked across Antarctica. No, you didn't. That doesn't exist. What? Well, you would have been killed by the guards due to the Antarctic Treaty. And then he just murders them. Like, I was just trying to put myself in his mindset. And it's How like, insulted would you be? You'd be the most insulted. You trained <laughs> that you. long to walk across, like, to do something no other human yeah. being had ever done. And spent, I'm sure, a fucking fortune. Mm-hmm. And you know what you saw. Yeah. You know that it was a fucking place and yeah. it wasn't like there were no imaginary guards coming to take you <laughs> from the edge of the earth. Yeah. Like, it's just like when Buzz Aldrin punched that guy who kept yeah, telling him that, that was a metal moment right there. And yeah. And like, I, I think like, you know, you've, you see the, the video of Richard Spencer getting punched by the Antifa guy. Oh yeah. And I'd say 50% of us are like, yeah, great. Yeah. And then the other 50% are like, use your words or whatever. Because yeah. violence is bad when it's against Republicans. I'm a closet racist. Yeah. They say. Uh huh. But whenever it comes to Buzz Aldrin punching that guy, I've never seen anyone defend that guy. That's true. Yeah. I've never seen a single person go I like, I have hey, either. don't punch people. Hands off. It's like, nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's being a real asshole. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Steve, I've watched a couple of things this week, and one of the things that I'm watching here, I actually am doing kind of a kind of a combo, a killer combo. Oh, might even might even be an ultra combo. Combo breaker. Because <laughs> I've been listening to the audios book oh. on Audible.com. It's got several audio of The Shining, <gasps> written by one what? Stephen King. Stephen King. I'm listening to that audio book. As well as the fact that I just went down to Old Central Cinema in uh-huh. Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. And they did a screening of The Shining last week. You watched night. it. It was amazing. Of course, it was great. It was the same movie I've seen a million times before. That's true. It doesn't yeah. change. Only this was in a room with strangers. Uh-huh. And also my buddy Corey was there and he had never seen it before. Hmm. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. How did he feel about it? He felt real good about it. He said yeah. he's going to have to think about it a whole lot. I don't know that I've ever shown The Shining to someone who didn't yeah, know right, right. and they go no. like, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. What's the big deal? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's like, no, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty low key, dude. So How's the book? It's awesome. So okay. I read the book, I think it's probably been probably nine years ago or uh-huh. so, something like that. Uh, my wife read the book and it, it just fucking scared the shit out of her. I've mentioned okay. that on another episode. She was mortified by the book. Uh-huh. And by that point, I was already like obsessed with the movie, so I read the book after that and really, really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And I mean, like I said, it's been so long that there's a lot of stuff in here that I had I had forgotten about. And plus, too, like 
picking up a book and reading it and doing an audiobook where somebody's reading it to you, uh-huh. it's never the same. Yeah. It's always different. Yeah, they emphasize words differently than you would. Yeah, exactly. Kate said she thinks that the the book is less scary as an audiobook, but I don't know. There's stuff in here that is, is freaking me out pretty good. Is it's it bit, the croquet mallet? The croquet, the roke mallet. Roke. Get it right or pay the price. How dare I? Yeah. <laughs> now, there's a lot of the stuff about... Um, you know his his imaginary friend Tony. Okay. That is a lot different in the book and really strange. Oh, okay. It's really cool the way this stuff's played out. You never read the book, have you? No. That, that was I've never read the Sheening. I mean, it's got a lot of the typical Stephen King isms. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where it's like, you want a weak willed woman? You got one. You want a guy who's a writer from New England? You got one. Uh-huh. You want alcoholism? It's there. Yeah. If you want stories about. Families being shitty. Uh-huh. Great. Flashbacks. Not talking like kids at all. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely a thing. <laughs> That's definitely yeah. a thing, yeah. But what about you know, Dick O'Halloran? Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's got that shining. That he does. He, he shine. We just shine on the porch all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the book has been really good. I've been definitely enjoying it and then seeing it in conjunction with the movie. Truly is a lethal combination. Yeah. And we'll be covering that movie soon. That we will. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even know how I'm going to begin to cover that movie. I really don't. Like I don't know how I'm going to keep my mouth shut about you know, not covering every last little fucking detail of that movie. I don't think anybody would be upset if you did. I'm straight up obsessed. Like yeah. I am straight up fucking obsessed with that movie. It's uh-huh. one of those things I have dumped so much research into. Yeah. And I think I've you know, dove into that movie harder than than any other movie so, I've ever checked out. But even even you, when you watch Room Two Three Seven, are like, I don't know about that. Yeah, guys. y'all reaching really <laughs> hard. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just like, okay, yeah, you guys are. Really... I don't know the stuff about the Apollo moon landing. I was like, all right, I, yeah, I I can see that though. I don't think it's because. Stanley Kubrick faked the Apollo moon landing. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Maybe there, there there's another... We'll talk about it with The Shining. Oh, maybe yeah. there's another reason they're referring to the moon landing. Because there's definitely lots of references yeah. to that. It's pretty undeniable. I mean, we wear a fucking Apollo sweater, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's almost like the most overt thing you could possibly do yeah. to connect it to that. So, it's yeah. so overt, it almost seems like a red herring. Yeah, like he's trying to... Not do, hidden. Like somebody had already said... Oh, he directed the moon landing, and he was like, oh, this will be funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a lot to talk about about that. I'm looking forward to covering that on the show whenever we get to it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a fucking 10, man. Yeah, it's it the is. best. Yeah, it's the best. Preemptively, we'll let you know. It's yeah, the shining it's a 10. The 10. I also just watched my first episode of Black Mirror. Awesome. Yes. So, here's the thing, though, because whenever you go on Netflix, and it's like, Oh, you know, choose what season you want to watch. And it's like uh-huh. season one, two, three, four in like vertical ascending order. Yeah, which makes no sense. And the episodes are like flipped around backwards yeah. too. So I actually watched the fourth episode of season one first. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. all self-contained. So it was the one about the people having the thing in their eye where uh-huh. they can record. Jody Whitaker, the new doctor. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody's able to like record the shit that they see and like yeah. have you know, basically perfect recall. Yeah. So they can relive events and share them on a screen yeah. and stuff and use this stuff very spitefully and you yeah. know, ill illfully against each other. One of the interesting things because the 
uh, every episode is self-contained. Yeah. But it all it all occurs in the same world. Okay. Some of the technologies that you get introduced to like early on actually come back in plots of other episodes. That's cool. Like a, a different way of looking at that type of technology. And That's stuff. cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I do think that this is a pretty damn accurate portrayal of how these things would go. If we could all just perfectly recall information, it's like, you think life's going to be better because you can exactly say, no, I said this, or you said that. Yeah. No, it just makes us that much more shitty and petty and jealous Uh and, you know, paranoid about each other and stuff. I know exactly that's how dudes would treat that stuff. Like, yeah, I know guys that are just so fucking freaked out about what is their chick doing every single second and they have to know about it, you know? Mm -hmm. They're weirdos. Oh, yeah, it's fucking dumb, man. But, yeah, I I just, I know a lot of people that if they did have that technology would be using it exactly like that fucking guy in that episode did. He sucked. Also, the chick sucked, too. She's lying, too. Yeah. 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 Like, in the end, you don't feel good at all about that episode, which is kind of the Black Mirror thing. So I've heard. not really feeling good. Wait till you see the Waldo moment. The Waldo moment. Yep. It accurately predicted our current state of politics oh that's not one that you were talking about yeah. before yeah it's insane how oh, shit. accurate what season is that in maybe two i'm not i'm not positive okay yeah it's season, early on though season one i think just has like three or four episodes yeah, in it, it does yeah so i'm sure i'll get caught up on those mm. pretty fast and also i think season one had the christmas special with john ham okay yeah yeah that one's interesting right on. that was really good well you know steve the oh. topic of today's podcast yeah is none other than the 1982 John Carpenter Pellicula L Thing. L Thing. Exactly. Of which I think Lauren Hill wrote a song about. Yep. She, the Thing. The, the thing, thing. The Thing. I'm pretty sure that's what that's about, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. How are you going to win when you're an alien within? Oh, man. Uh-uh. Come again. <laughs> and this movie, of course, stars one of the treasures. Of all of Hollywood, yeah, one Kurt Russell, who is truly the fucking man. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell is the best. We will revisit him many more times oh, yeah. on Love our Kurt podcast. Russell. I'm sure because he's been in so this many. This is the first time we've movies. done a Kurt Russell movie, huh? Is it? You might be right. Huh. I can't think of anything else that we could have done. We've not done. We've not done Escape Bone Tomahawk or, or Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Crazy. I hadn't thought about that. So, Steve, before we get into our movie review portion, I say we just, let's just ease on in. Let's slip and slide into that preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And let's discuss what we think are our top five Kurt Russell movies. Because I'm just really worried. There's a lot of these bustas that are listening to this episode. They might be busting. Bustas listen to this? Uh Uh-huh. That might have never seen a Kurt Russell jam. Gee. Okay. All right. We got to let them know. You know what? Hey, not everybody knows everything. It's true. Seems like everybody should know Kurt Russell. Well, that's why they listen to our show. That is. They're like, hey, I don't know Kurt Russell. Tell me about him. I don't know everything. These guys do. (laughs) I'll listen to them. That's Hey, all true. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Steve, I think I want to kick this list of five kick off out the jam with one of my favorites, one of the most quotable movies of all time, my favorite western that mm-hmm. has ever been. Yeah, I'm talking about one 
tomb stone. Tomb it's more than stone. just a, a mediocre frozen pizza. <laughs> it is. It's it's more than just slightly above a red baron. Yeah. Do you remember how weird the pepperonis on those tasted? Yeah. It, it was just like salt disc. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what if it just said that? Like, yeah. I bet if you bought it in an Asian market, that's what it would say. Yeah, salt, salt disc. disc. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tombstone is the shit. Uh, and obviously this is a horror movie show, but... That doesn't mean there's, you know, not good movies that aren't horror out there. Yeah. No, we're not those type of folks. No, of course we're not. We're just talking about horror movies. We love all types of movies, and I love westerns. See, I'm not even a big western guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, like, going into watching Tombstone for the first time many years ago, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, another, another fucking western that I just mm-hmm. won't care about. It'll look yeah. all dusty and dry and sunny all the time. Mm-hmm. Don't care. <laughs> but Tombstone completely destroyed my expectations because mm-hmm. it's loaded with so many fucking memorable characters so many great lines everybody is in that movie everybody, everybody. yeah 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 you look back on it now because uh it, it has people in it that at the time you wouldn't think like oh that person should be in a western but yeah they were in a western and it was uh-huh. great they even had uh, brendan walsh from uh, beverly hills 90210 in there was he really yeah Damn, I don't yeah. remember that. What was his name? What's that character? The actor's name? I have no idea. Damn it. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. It's got Billy Bob Thornton in there. You got a Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. Of course, old Kurt Russell is yeah. in here. Oh, my gosh. Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah, Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. Dude, he should be in every Western. He should. Ever he should. made, man. Yeah, it's great. I love that movie so much. It's a bit long. Yeah, all Westerns are. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's pretty common. Westerns are all a little too long. Mm-hmm. Because they really, they really play up moments. They let that tension live. Yeah. Which um, usually, I think, comes from just, just from my limited knowledge of uh, Western novels. Mm-hmm. That comes from the naturalistic uh, point of view of the Western novels, mm-hmm. where that that would be a thing that would occur in a, a shootout or whatever. Yeah. A long moment of nothing. Mm-hmm. Just a long moment of everybody kind of hesitating. Like, yeah. Who's going to be the first to shoot or whatever. So you get that a lot in Westerns and it kind of drags out if you're the type of person that expects action, action, action. Yeah. But yeah. I like I like it. I do too, man. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's an awesome flick. It's one of those that like in my memory, I'm always like, yeah, it's good. And then I watch it, and I'm like, holy shit, I fucking love this movie. It's like, it's always yeah. better than I remember. And I yeah. remember it being really good. And Val you know? Kilmer's always better than you remember. It's always yeah. like, like if I think about Val Kilmer and Tombstone, it's like, he's awesome. And then yeah. I watch it again, and it's like, he's better than I remember yeah, he's every amazing. time. He is amazing. I'm uh, your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. He's just so cool and collected. Be a daisy if you do. Oh, man. And he's like dying of consumption or consumption, something. Consumption, yeah. He's looking like shit. Hanging the whole out movie. with his prostitute wife and Oh yeah. So fucking good. Cool. You're not wearing a bustle. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I fucking love that movie, man. Yeah, Kurt Russell classic. Yeah. Um, well, Ben, I'm gonna go. Might as well while we're on the Western train. Yeah. Say bone tomahawk. A tone bombahawk. Now, uh could it could have said hateful eight here. Yeah. Um but there's a reason why I didn't pick Hateful Eight. Bone Tomahawk. Hateful Eight is a Quentin Tarantino Western, meaning it distills tons of Westerns into this sort of perfect form. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah, the idealized <clears throat> version of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's great. But I've seen a lot of Westerns. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually one of the things I love about Kill Bill is I haven't seen most of those martial arts movies it's based on. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I know it's paying homage, but also it's new to me. Yeah, yeah. But with Hateful Eight, I do love that movie like crazy. But it's not bringing much new to the Western gotcha. genre. But Bone Tomahawk does. I've heard that. I've not yeah. seen it. Not only bringing, you know, the horror element, but also bringing this idea of these almost alien creatures yeah uh yeah you gotta see it you gotta see, i don't want to say too much because yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to ruin it but uh, uh kurt russell's amazing in it patrick wilson's amazing in it. everybody in it is great i've heard it's fucking brutal it is brutal really ultra brutal dang and it's still very much a western okay. which is what i loved about it because you could easily just say oh this is a west horror western and you just set it in sort of western setting and then yeah, yeah. make it a horror movie. Right. But th- no, it's a it's a western that just instead of, you know, them having to go fight the natives or whatever. Yeah, Black Bart. They have to go fight this I don't know I don't know how to describe them Shit. Uh, without ruining it, but this uh, clan basically. Okay, run on. Of uh interesting type of ne'er-do-wells. That's one of those movies that you know, I, I haven't met a ton of people who have watched it, but it's uh-huh. like everybody who has seen it has told me yeah. it's fucking amazing. Oh, so man. It's on my must-watch It's absolutely, list. yeah. And Kurt know. Russell is just so great in it. Yeah? Yeah. Is he like a, I don't know, just Western badass cowboy guy or what? He's he's Kurt Russell in it, I there would say. Go. It's the way to describe him. Like, he he's like, they were just like, we want Kurt Russell, but yeah. dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> well, he's one of those guys that kind of is just... He's always Kurt Russell. I mean, yep. in that that Netflix Christmas thing that he did, it's like he wasn't really Santa. He <laughs> yeah. was Kurt Russell as Santa. <laughs> Kurt Russell Claus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was totally great. Made that movie yeah. worth watching. I mean, like, I will talk more about his uh, his career yeah. as we go. But like, when you look at his career, and like, he was this child star. Mm-hmm. In Disney movies, tons of Disney yeah, movies. Yeah, I, I, I somehow missed that. I was looking through yeah. his IMDb last night, and it was like he was in stuff when he was like 11 and 12 yeah. years old, like uh, a kid. Like strongest man in the world. And Crazy. Stuff. And, and yeah, the computer was he in the Computer War Ten issues? No, that know. was that was later than that. I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, to go from just this sort of child star, and then to like, there's this this crossover period from like 79 to 81, where he goes from. You know, voicing the fox on the Fox and the Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To being Snake Plissken, <laughs> like quite a career. It's pretty big, job, yeah, dude. Like, um, it's great. But that that all has to do with his association with John Carpenter. I think right. John Carpenter like sort of made didn't make Kurt Russell, but gave us the Kurt Russell that we have now. Oh, absolutely so. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that, man. Yep. Which brings us to uh, my next choice on here, which is going to be Escape from New York. Yeah! Featuring good old Snake Plissken. Uh-huh. It's uh, awesome. It's fucking fantastic. It's in, set in the far-flung future of 1997. Whoa, in the future, chur, chur, chur. <laughs> Yeah, 1997 turned out to be a little different than that. A li- not much. Honestly. I think like there was some videos by Orgy in 1997 that looked kind of like that. Maybe yes. maybe some Rob Zombie videos too. I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure. Dreadlocks. Yeah, dreadlocks mm-hmm. and stuff. But this movie is so great. It's one of those ones I forget again. I forget how much I like it. Yeah. Until I meet somebody who hasn't seen it, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's watch that. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. I think sometimes with Escape from New York, because um, Escape from New York was out when I was 
maybe before it was born. It came yeah. out 80? 80, maybe. Yeah, no, it came so. out 81. 81. Probably a little bit before I was born. Um, and then when I was growing up, Escape from L.A. was advertised a lot in comic books. Yeah, that was in like mid, late 90s. But Escape from L.A. is terrible. I heard that. All, and, you know, again, funny enough to bring it back to Rob Zombie. Every time <laughs> I think of it, I think about that Escape from L.A. song yeah. that Rob Zombie did. Mm-hmm. Which that sounded, soundtrack was pretty good. It sounded like kind of all those other Rob Zombie songs. Yeah. A lot of yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was Escape from LA a piece of shit? I never watched it's it. A, it's a terrible piece of shit. And so, Damn like, it. my brain, I think I need to disassociate. Yeah. I think I, like, well, maybe we'll cover Escape from New York sometime. I, I hope it's so. not really a horror, is it? Is it dystopian horror? Yeah, what do you say? I don't know. I mean, it's it's got those, those post apocalyptic mm. survival kind of elements to yeah. it. But yeah, I don't know. I think wild it's card. probably more of a thriller. You it's know? a wild card for yeah, sure. I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah, I think we need to cover it on the show so I can like think like have all my adult associations with it. And the next uh, time yeah. I think about it, I'll be like, that's that mo- that movie we covered on the show instead of. That's that movie that had that sequel that had all those advertisements that then I watched and was terrible. <laughs> Might help you just break away from it. Yeah. From this cycle of vicious abuse. Yeah. And that's a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we love us some John Carpenter, yep. man. I love some John Carpenter stuff. And of course, it's got an awesome soundtrack. It looks great. The character of Snake Plissken is such a fucking badass. Yeah. What a hunk, too. Oh, man. What a hunk. Looks just like Kurt Russell, that dude. Very similar. Yeah. With one less eye. Yeah. Yeah, but that just adds to the hot. Man, I kind of wish that for our list here, we would have done, like, in honor of Kurt Russell, people that look better wearing an eye patch. Ooh. You know? Because there's people out there. My buddy Luke... I bet. Did you see him whenever no. he had an eye patch? No, but uh, Dude, Luke's a handsome man. He kind of looks like Kurt Russell. Is the he kind of does? If he had an eye patch, yeah. And there was this one time that he was riding the the coal fired steam locomotive at Dollywood. <laughs> okay. You know the, the train. Yeah, I'm talking the about? train. Yeah. And he's leaning his head over the over the side there so he could see where they were going. Right as one of the big puffs of like coal smoke oh. came out, and he he got part of his retina burnt. Damn. By like a coal cinder. Ooh. I know, like fucking brutal. But he wore this eye patch for like three weeks. And every time I saw him, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> you just look fucking sick. You look he so awesome. Wear an eye patch. Like he looked badass, uh-huh. man. He really, really did. Did you ever see that guitar player from Kansas what had an eye patch? No. He looked badass. Um Thor looked pretty cool with Thor looked awesome with the you one know what? eye. Chris Hemsworth though. He's he's pretty. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, my wife didn't have any problems with the eye patch. For no, sure. huh? Yeah. No. And she liked the short hair better than the long hair. But mm. I don't know if he looks better. Maybe just equally attractive. I'll Good tell you what. Dude. I was way more into Sagat from Street Fighter <laughs> after you got that one eye knocked out. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's a much better look on yeah. him. You know? Yeah. Man, I didn't like him before that scar. Not so much. No. But then he got the scar, and it was like, man, this guy's pretty dope. He's been through some shit, man. Yeah. He, he got dragon punched. For real. Real hard. It must have been. How hard do you have to punch somebody to, like, rip their flesh in a big line on their chest? Uh, wow. Ultra hard? Yeah, I ultra assume mega? that was, like, the, the the hard punch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. That was, that was the right bumper. Yeah. 
Is that what it was? <laughs> I think On so. Super Nintendo? I can't remember. Dude, have you seen those like little arcade machines that they're making now? Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. shit, they make a Street Fighter one. Do they? That has, I think it has two Champion Edition, Turbo, and like yeah. maybe maybe Street Fighter 3. I can't remember. Uh-huh. But I'm like, oh my god. I bet you could build one of those for real cheap. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Is like ultimately those little cabinets, I think they're like 250 or so. Uh-huh. But I've got buddies that, that make those things that are like... You know, it's like a stand-up machine with a monitor, and it's basically attached to like a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, that's what that, I was gonna say. If yeah, you, you you could put all your emulator stuff on the Raspberry yeah. Pi and run it. it, and it has like hmm. fucking every game ever. Yeah, on them. Yeah, and obviously the new ones are like little because to, to download kids. all the games for a Nintendo Entertainment System yeah. is it takes with a good internet connection a minute. Oh my it's god, it's like no time. Like god, dude, they're so small. The yeah, files, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so I think rather than invest money in that, I'd rather just yeah get somebody to build me a full yeah, it's a good stand-up deal. rig. Yeah, you know? I yeah, because then you, like if you if you buy the cabinet that just has the one game, it's like, well, I love Street Fighter, but yeah, you know where's uh where's the uh, NFL Blitz? Oh, huh? You might need to get blitzed. You might need an NBA Jam. Oh damn! From downtown. <laughs> All right. See so what's next on your list of Kurt Russell classics. That was spelled with a K. I think. Oh, you could tell. was it? Yeah, classics. <laughs> classics. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, we did say we were excluding the thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, yeah. the thing is like yeah, numero th- uno. Yeah, I think the thing would probably be number so one. So this is like right the now. top five non-thing yeah. Kurt Russell movies. Yeah, but. Also, if we were saying our top six, this would be our third John Carpenter movie. Holy uh, shit, yeah. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Fuck yeah. yeah. Big Trouble in Little China, fucking awesome. It's an adventurous, comedic romp. And as with I've said some, before, there's there's nothing I love more than a really handsome guy being funny. Yeah, being funny and just basically falling into this extremely complicated drama in Chinatown yeah. when he's trying to deliver something. Like, yeah. Um, and there's there's mysticism and yeah. magic and stuff like that. It's all... I, I, I would say it may be John Carpenter's only real attempt at comedy. I think so, yeah. And he, you know... It's probably something we're forgetting about. I can't think, I can't I can't think, think of, of any, anything else that's most yeah. to be comedy, but Big Trouble in Little China is just like comedy i mean it's got uh you know the sort of serious elements that you need to drive a comedy yeah yeah it still has a story completely comedy yeah yeah it's great man it also just shows you too not only the range of kurt russell but the range of john carpenter man yeah yeah john carpenter um well i'll talk about it in a little bit but his career really got kind of fucked by this movie the thing it really did yeah it's one of those things that uh, and again, we'll get into it more, but you just can't help but wonder if this movie would have been as giant of a success as it deserved to be, or if people loved it then as much as they do now, mm-hmm. what his career would have turned into, you know? Yeah. I mean, he could have been this like hmm. ultra crossover mainstream right. horror master. You and know? of course, he may have then, he may have never given us Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, exactly. Like, so that may have not happened, but what else could we maybe have? Or Mouth of Madness, you know? Might yeah, I bet that. in the Mouth of Madness would have been never been made by John Carpenter if he had like the career that he deserved. Right. I mean, because you you come out with Halloween, uh, the made for television movie Elvis, starring Kurt Russell, 
Yeah, so he played had, fucking Elvis. What? Yeah, that that uh, had like three Academy Award nominations or whatever. Uh, then The Fog, which made a ton of money. Yeah. Then Escape from New York, which made a ton of money. Yeah. The fact that this movie not making a ton of money, still making enough to cover the budget. The fact that this got him pretty much thrown in director's jail, lost his universal contract. Jeez. Contract with Universal. It's not yeah, a yeah, universal yeah. contract. But he had a multi-picture deal with Universal. They they kicked him out. He got pulled for he was supposed to direct Stephen King's Firestarter. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know they, that. They took that from him. All because he took a property they had been trying to work out for years. Yeah. Got it turned into a movie with awesome special effects, wonderful acting, yeah. wonderful cinematography, but it just so happened that Universal made a gamble on a sci-fi horror movie in a year when there were too many sci-fi movies, and yeah. then when they decided, oops, we've made a mistake, they didn't put any money into advertising it. Wow, shit. So they fucked him. That sucks. <laughs> like, they just fucked him. Yeah. And then said... Your fault that right, we yeah, fucked yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Anyway, but Big Trouble in Little China might not exist if he had, you know, gone the path that uh, he should have. Yeah. But also, I don't know what else he could have made that would have been like, like it would it would anything have ever had that that sort of punk rock comedy feel that Big Trouble does? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a good thing that we have Big Trouble. Yeah. I kind of wish he had gotten more opportunities. Yeah, sure, me though. too. Me too, man. But, you know, what can you do, right? Go back in time and oh, take over Universal Studios. If I could turn back time. If I could find a way. Yeah. I'd save John Carpenter's career. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one more, I think, here. Uno more. What you know about Death Proof? It's uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. So there are feet in it. Yes, there's plenty. Uh-huh. There's feet galore. Right. Uh, it has one of the greatest endings of a movie ever. Yes. Um, High five. And Kurt Russell's in it. Yeah. As and... stuntman Mike. Uh-huh. And he is still Kurt Russell, but he yeah. is just kind of like a skeezier, shittier yeah. Kurt Russell. Skeezy, shitty Kurt Russell. Who murders women basically yeah. with his car? Yeah, but it's so it's such a weird twist of things because it's not that he just like murders them with his car like he runs them over. It's yeah. like he has to get them in the car, uh-huh. which is specifically prepared to like keep him alive. Yeah, and get into some like hellacious crash mm-hmm. that murders them, and I assume probably bangs him up pretty rough. Too. I would think so. Yeah, he I mean, likes it real rough. That's how, yeah. Real, that's how real rough, rough he likes it. He likes for for his partner to die, yeah, and for him to just be destroyed. <laughs> now that is some deep king. Yeah, <laughs> but he does it non consensually, so it's not okay. That isn't cool. Yeah, not cool, man. Yeah, if for instance, uh, Rose McGowan's one of them. Yeah, that, I think so. Yeah, yeah. If she had gotten in and she had been like. I hope, like, I die in a car wreck right now. He'd be like, okay. I'm like, I then, can oblige then I'd you be there. cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. I can handle that. I mean, it's so so great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. plan is like, <laughs> I'd say his insurance company fucking hates him. <laughs> I feel like you might not have insurance. <laughs> I don't know why. He's one of those uninsured that. drivers, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it. Yeah. Uh, which I will watch any movie she's in. Yeah, she's and awesome. And honestly, can't think of many that aren't very good except for the Thing remake. Oh, is she in that too? Yeah, she's in yeah. that too. But, I won't uh, talk about that later because I've not seen mm, it either. Zoe uh, Bell is in there. Zoe Bell, she's great. Quinn's uh, longtime Rosario stunt lady. Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. So there, great, yeah. yeah. And it's it's really an all out like kind of girl power romp. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the ending's great. I just love I yeah. love the ending so much. But I, I won't say it in case somebody's watching. We'll definitely do that movie. Oh that's, hell that's yeah! That's a horror movie by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's part of the um, uh, yeah Pl- Grindhouse. Grindhouse. Yeah, Planet of Terror. Yeah, Planet Terror. Planet Terror. Yeah, by Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Which, if you've never watched that, holy shit, you owe it to yourself yeah. to watch it. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun, man. It's like a celebration of all things. Shitty seventies grimy horror exploitation. Uh-huh. It's worth watching for the fake trailers, really. Yeah, the fake trailers are the best. Fake trailers are so great. good. <laughs> yeah, I love Death Proof. I remember the first time that I watched it, not really getting it. I think I had like one thing in mind, and it delivered something else. Where it's like there's, you know, you got the intro part, and then there's kind of a lot of downtime because everything kind of changes gears there for a while. Uh-huh. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of talking and stuff. And I think I was expecting it to be like, you know, one big ass long car chase or something. I think that's right. the way it had been like advertised to me or something. Well, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, that's how they would advertise a Grindhouse right. movie in which there is a car chase. Yeah. It would just be the just car, a car chase. chase yeah. And the car chase is great. The end is fucking so great. awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun to watch that, man. It took me like a time or two watching through it to like get it and understand it. Uh, and you know, get rid of my expectation for what I wanted it to be, and just mm. watch it for what it was. But it is a blast. It's definitely good. Kurt yeah. Russell has given us so many good flicks, and of course, there's many more that that we didn't list off that we could have put on. Overboard. There. Overboard. That's Ben's right. favorite. Captain Ron. My favorite. <laughs> Captain Ron is awesome, though. It is. <laughs> Overboard <laughs> doesn't hold up. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I saw not watched that and saw that a couple a years ago years. again and I was like, oh, this is creepy. Is that the one with like a mermaid and stuff? No, that's the one Splash. where Goldie Hawn is a rich woman. Yeah. And then she gets amnesia and he tells her that she's his wife and has him oh, raise Oh right, right. Okay. Yeah. Has her raise his kids. That's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> and has sex with her on yeah. false pretenses. I don't know if that's the way you should handle no, that. No, no. I think while you were sleeping is like a much nicer version of that story. Yeah. Well, because they cut the scene where she has sex with him in the hospital bed. <laughs> yeah. And the nurse walks in like, what is oh. happening? And she's like, oh, oh it's my husband. Um, uh, my boyfriend. Yeah. His penis suddenly became erect. But yeah, there are a ton of other. I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume, Volume 2. Two. He's yeah, great yeah. in that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. As Ego. Ego, the living planet. Yeah. Lots of good stuff, man. I'm sure that he will continue to pump out more classics until the day he shuffles loose his mortal coil. Well, and bring us all down, stuff. Richard Nixon. That's no time soon. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. not <laughs> Imagine Richard Nixon just shaking his place a lot whenever he talks. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> How's that bearded ice treating over there? It's great. It's dude. fucking great. I really like it. I like it. how dry it is. It's very dry and awesome. What yeah. is his alcohol percentage? 6.9. 69. Wine nice. and dine him 6.9, bro. <laughs> All right. The topic of our show today is going to be the thing from 1982. And Steve, the first thing I've got to ask you is a question that's burning in my heart, my mind, what? my loins. What is it? 
When did you see this the first time? Oh gosh, as a kid. Yeah, yeah as a kinder kid. Yeah, as a little bit of kid kid. I was like, hey, I'm maybe in school. I yeah. don't remember. I remember seeing this though as a very young man. Yeah. Um, the first time, and then watching it several times as a teenager. See, that's one of those things where there's so many of these movies that I didn't watch when I was a kid because uh-huh. of how conservative I grew up and stuff. Right. That, well, you know, it's like you saying this, and then like my, my wife told me like she she never remembers having not seen The Shining. Like she saw The yeah. Shining a million times when she was a kid, and I have to I have to just wonder if seeing that stuff as a kid. And being just kind of like, oh, whatever about it. Like, oh, it's this movie that I watched all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, not really understanding the the sheer terror or the psychological yeah. elements of what all is going on. If that makes it not as good compared to like, I mm. saw it so late in life and I was like, oh, shit, I get what's going on. This is, th- the stakes are high. You know what I mean? Maybe. Do you feel like like you appreciate this movie in a different way as an adult than you did as a kid I mean surely surely when you're a kid it was like oh it's gross it's cool yeah that's yeah as a kid that's that's interesting I think because like I think a lot of people don't grow out of the that's gross that's cool phase with horror movies gross things can be pretty cool I'm not gonna lie true sure they can but like you know, as you grow, you're like, I'd also like there to be a story and to maybe care about somebody. I want to care about that thing that got grossed. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're um, like, oh no, it got gross. Yeah. So like, yeah, as a kid, it, it, yeah, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe there is some seal that comes off when you first watch something mm-hmm. and, and you just can't put it back on. You yeah. can't ever watch it and see it brand new for the first time again yeah 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 Yeah. can't put toothpaste back in the tube so i don't know maybe yeah maybe there is something more to something that's more likely to strike at the heart of somebody who sees it as an adult yeah because uh for me it's it's not a scary movie at all okay yeah uh i love it it's a tense movie yeah i know know what you mean it sounds weird to say this isn't a scary movie it's not really a you know, fucking make you jump out of your seat no. thing. It's a make you extremely nervous, make you extremely mm-hmm. paranoid, yeah. draw you into this world in this base with these guys yeah. kind of movie for sure. And I definitely, I felt some of that as a kid, but I think, if, yeah, if I saw it the first time as an adult, you would be more engrossed in it because yeah. you know the tension of being in a group full of other adults. Yeah. And that tension is I can do shit for myself. Don't, Tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. that happens a lot in this movie is sure. the tension is people being told what to do and not trusting the person telling them what to do and then also not trusting everybody else around them. But knowing... like, I, I don't know if you ever... We get any evidence that the, anyone knows when they're infected by the thing. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, just yeah. sort of like it slowly takes over. It seems like with some people, like it almost seems like Blair kind of tries to fight it yeah. maybe for a uh-huh. while. And then like Windows seems unaware that he's infected. Right. Completely unaware. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, the one guy. Gosh. The Louis C.K. looking guy. Is that Bennings? I can't remember who that is. There's, oh. so, there's so many names and terrible names. Yeah, well, yeah, I tried to write all these down to try to remember them. Yeah, it's Bennings. He's the guy that looks like Louis C.K. Yeah. 
he he how goes about, real fast. Yes. How about Louis C.K. getting in some shit again? Good. Did you catch any of that? Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Apparently, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's like humor is is supposed to really push some boundaries and stuff. Yes, but it is. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right kind of rebound that cat should make after everything. No, he's on. he's he's transitioning, man. But then again, at the same time, I mean, maybe that's maybe this is the plan all along. Maybe he's like, well, I need to get in the news for something again that's not. Yep. He's transitioning to becoming a conservative comic. Wow. Conservative comics punch down. That's why they're not funny. Punching down. There you go. Yeah. Liberal comics punch up. Huh. That's why they're funny. Because there's nothing funny about making fun of somebody who's already in an unfortunate situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Like the people who think that's funny, like, I. Pretty what they're laughing people. at is that someone else is in distress and having trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not. Yeah. Really what funny. is the funny part here? <laughs> like, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and uh, why the Parkland survivors? Ugh. Why did, why did, why do so many conservatives feel like they're not off? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you there are no other, well, except for, I guess, Connecticut. They all pretend like that just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But there are no other, like, school shooting survivors that everybody's like, fuck you. Yeah, seriously. How dare you have thoughts on an event that occurred yeah. to you. That affected you. I have thoughts on them because I'm a doll. <laughs> I wasn't I, there or anything, but. Yeah. Argh. But you're not a hero. Yeah. What is that? What is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I get saying it's Caitlyn Jenner's not a hero. I get yeah, that. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I know I can say that now uh, a few years later and people aren't fucking shocked by it. But yeah. a few years ago, if you said it, everybody was like, no, she's a hero. And then she fucking voted for Trump. And everybody's <laughs> like, no, she's not a fucking hero. She's shooting yourself in the fucking foot. You want, okay, you feel within yourself you're a woman. Okay, Fine, you're trans sure. now. Yeah. You're not a fucking hero. Yeah, yeah. You're not a hero because a hero isn't just some rich white guy who gets to do what he wants. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's not you know a fucking what? hero. That's pretty brutal, but you're not wrong. Yeah. Or <laughs> white gal in this case. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I was also talking about CK in that instance. Because he's rich. Yeah. And he doesn't have to do stand-up anymore. Yeah. And nobody wants him to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So stop. So maybe just that. Yeah. But if you go out <laughs> on stage and basically smear shit on the wall like a child. Yeah. And go, look at the poopy I put on the wall. <laughs> Parkland survivors aren't heroes. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> try harder. Try, try it at all. Try Trump. it all. Just oh, be man. like, hey, how about this? You know what would have killed? If he came out and did a bunch of jokes about sexual assault. Yeah. And made fun of the people who all got caught. And made yeah. fun of himself. That would have been a good way to roll with it. And said, we're sick and we're gross and we did wrong shit. Yeah. And made jokes out of that. Then that, everybody that could been be a like, way to do that. hey, you know what? It's still, maybe a little early, but at least I can respect you for getting up there and making fun of yourself. Right. Instead no. of a bunch of kids that survived a school shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the thing is, you still see in the comments of all these articles about him, people defending him. And then it's like, did you even read what happened? Like, did you yeah. even read what happened? Because they're all like, you know, well, this is what I heard. And it's like, okay, but the, it's all written down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can Documented. read the actual events. I don't care what you heard. Yeah. He definitely used a position of power, abused it, and made women watch him jerk off. Yeah. 
Now, Sarah Silverman has said that when they were touring together, he'd jerk off in front of her. He'd ask her, and she'd be like, sure, whatever. And no big deal to her. But, of course, Sarah Silverman was on the same level as him. Yeah, exactly. She had worked on SNL. He hadn't. He worked for Conan. Mm -hmm. It was a much lower position. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they were in different positions. She could just say, yeah, whatever, jerk off. I don't give a fuck. You'll look like an idiot in front of me. That's fine. Yeah. But then later, it's him deciding that you can't have... And that's exactly what he did that people aren't recognizing is the women who said no, he destroyed their careers. Ooh. So, come on. Yeah, really. It's ridiculous. Anyway. (laughs) What a jerk. (laughs) Don't want to cut any of that, by the way. No. (laughs) So, when you saw this movie as a kid, did you love it? Yeah, oh yeah, this is... Uh, I, man, I can't remember seeing a single John Carpenter movie as a kid I didn't love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, yeah, this is one of them for sure. This, Because the special effects are so great. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember as a kid, just it was like mind-blowing. It's yeah. like, they're asymmetrical. That's the thing I think is most interesting mm-hmm. about the thing, when it starts growing into its weird shit. Like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand symmetry. No. Uh-uh. It's like, this is what things look like. Well, and it's because this thing has been all over the entire galaxy assimilating God only knows how yeah. many other creatures, and it's like, maybe symmetry is just kind of an Earth thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Like, that's what's so cool about this movie to me, is that whenever you see it changing into these weird, grotesque, monstrous uh-huh. crab spider things... Maybe it's like, this is what looks normal on the last planet I was yeah. on. Yeah, that's I exactly right. like this, nothing killed me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I will transform to the dominant life form of my previous planet I was on. Yeah. You have no idea what this thing is transforming into... Because it's been so many things that you've never mm-hmm. seen, which also had to make it so fun just in terms of the the creature design and stuff in this. Rob Botton that did the yeah. special effects on this is, I th- this has got to be one of the biggest like home runs of special effects history because he was a fucking kid yeah. when he did this. He, he had only done like, he worked on some Roger Corman stuff, yeah. Piranha, Rock and Roll High School, and he did uh, effects on The Howling, Okay, which yeah. is like sort of his big break right before he had this. to be damn 19 or 20 when he did that a real young dude yeah i think he was what was he 22 when he did the thing i didn't write that down but i yeah, want to say it was like 20s. early 20s yeah, yeah. um th- i found this real interesting i mean i i guess I sh- just in case you don't know who rob botton is he worked on piranha the howling legend robocop total oh, legend dude robocop has some great gore seven mission the first mission impossible oh yeah Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Fight Club. So he's got uh, a, a lot of good things. He's got a pretty good resume. Um, but Carpenter... Okay, so Botton would give Carpenter descriptions of the things he wanted to do. Yeah. And Carpenter, like, at the beginning was like, that's too weird. Like, like wow. he couldn't even conceive of it. And, like, that was actually the thing was that Botton couldn't conceive of it really either. He couldn't get it down on paper well that's kind of the the lovecraftian thing right mm-hmm. it's like Love, exactly. lovecraft had this amazing way with his words of describing things yeah. that were indescribable yeah and telling you is indescribable and you being like i understand i understand how indescribable this is yeah, yeah. And, and and of course the creature designing this is much different than the the original version which came out in i think 52 is that right thing from another planet uh, 51 51 yeah and, and I've not seen that. I've just read up on it and stuff. And yeah. Apparently, it was almost more of a Frankenstein-y 
uh, 50s monster man kind yeah. of thing in that. And in the original story that this is all based on, who goes there, it was much more of this morphing, indescribable sort of creature. Yeah. And um, the this production, they wanted to get back to the source material. Yeah. Um, and John, John Carpenter uh, included the thing from outer space in Halloween 1978. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I found this interesting. I couldn't figure out like from the timeline. It looks like he didn't have the job yet. And it was almost like he was throwing that in as a nod to the thing to be like to like, you know, if my movie Halloween takes off yeah. and the people who are thinking about having me direct the thing see this and see the thing reference to be yeah. like Let's get Maybe this we'll guy. get this guy. And this, this movie had been kind of in development since like the late yes, 70s. It had been in development for a while because, you know, somebody had the genius idea of remaking a horror movie. Now, this is where we should talk about this. <laughs> when, Whenever horror movies get remade and we're all immediately like, oh, fuck, fuck this. Yeah. That's how they felt about this then right People were right like, you can't remake that it's a classic yeah yeah from the 50s dude the golden age and now we look at it and it's like it's not a classic yeah this is a classic yeah this shit's all over the fucking yeah original one but then like we'll continue to do it every time there's a remake well we all will say hollywood's lost all their creativity which yeah. they never had it never had it they've <laughs> always done this people have always been saying hollywood's out of ideas yeah hollywood not never new. had ideas hollywood right. is not about ideas <laughs> hollywood is about <laughs> making money right um so yeah like this this remake of a 51 classic um that came out to terrible critical reception yeah barely made anything over the budget yeah it's it's crazy how badly this movie did in theaters like i yeah. didn't i wasn't aware of that because like whenever i watch this movie for the first time as like an adult yeah then it's like oh man you never seen a thing it's an absolute classic it's yep. one of like the all-time greatest horror flicks yeah it was about 10 years after it had come out that people started to say that yeah. it was a classic and that's that's the thing that interests me to think about this is that this movie was a remake People were automatically down on remakes. Yeah. It got poor reviews and didn't make money in the box office. Ebert tore it up, man. Mm -hmm. He hated it. How many horror movie remakes have done poor in the box office, gotten poor reviews, and in 10 years we're all going to say, that was a good fucking movie. Right. Yeah. This isn't the the only time this has ever happened. No. I mean, yeah, and it wasn't even the first time it had happened. Like, and, And then, like... Like where what what is it? Like how do you know now? That's my question is mm. how do you know, knowing that the thing exists, knowing that Evil Dead exists, knowing that like there are these remakes or soft reboots or prequels that come out that people automatically dismiss as bereft of any creativity. Right, yeah. How many of them are actually better than the original? Right, yeah, yeah. But it'll just take ten years time yeah. to figure it out. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't want to be the one to sit through all of them to figure it out. So yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it was shocking to me though. Whenever I found out how badly this movie did, yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot of factors there. I mean, there's the fact that, like you said, Universal just decided they weren't going to advertise it. Ebert ripped it up, and that guy was kind of like, 
well, there wasn't an internet back then, so that guy was the living IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes right. that people listen to. Yeah. He fucking hated the movie, just thought it was just a, a shitty gore fest with no substance. Apparently, even the original director of the 1951 version, which John Carpenter like mm-hmm. loved so much and like yeah. idolized and looked up to, like came out and was just like, yeah, his movie sucks. Yeah. Like, just tall shit. I mean, it would be like Steve Vai saying, my record's a pile of shit. Yeah. The, like, oh, God. It man. is. And Carpenter was really destroyed by this. Hell not just yeah. by, you know, Universal letting him go, but by the fact that he thought this was great. Yeah. Like, everybody working on it thought this was great. Nobody thought we're making a pile of shit movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just don't understand what it was that people didn't see back then. I don't understand it. And, mm. you know, part of the reason why this crashed, too, is because... Like you said, there's also a lot of other sci-fi stuff going on at that yeah, time. This came out the same day as Blade Runner. It, I mean, dude, imagine that day in 1982 where you call your friend up on a on a telephone with a curly cord uh-huh. on a rotary phone, and you're like, hey, let's go see the movies. Do you want to see The Thing or Blade Runner? Holy shit. Yeah. What How a day. How would you even know? What a day, man. And E.T. also came e. out just came several out. weeks before it, which is Poltergeist. Oh, yeah, that's right. Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Oh, okay, so more sci-fi right there. The Road Warrior. Well, okay, so basically Tron. this is one of those years where everybody was like, sci- it's sci-fi this year. Yeah. And it's got kind of lost in the fold. Maybe, but like, I don't under- I don't get, I, I mean, okay, I don't this get. This is so different from any of those. Yeah, I just don't get, I don't get trends and anti-trends. I mm. don't get how, um somebody is going to put their money into going to the movies and they say well i've already seen two sci-fi movies this year don't want to see another yeah that makes this one not as good what is i don't understand the process there like for me it's like what what who who's in it who are the direct who's the director what are the previous things i've seen do i want to see more of this um but yeah, like for the average ticket buying person, is it really, do they go through that? Like mm-hmm. how much of that is, is true? How much of it is just, they didn't know it came out, it came out in June. June is normally a good month for, for movies. Yeah, totally. But if you're up against stiff competition, especially stuff with big names attached to it. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Like it's baffling to me. Like I, I really in, did a lot of research trying to understand I wanted to actually just read some of the things yeah, that were please. said about the thing. <clears throat> uh, quintessential moron movie of the 80s. Moron movie. Uh-huh. Holy shit. So that's not even just saying that like, oh, it's not good or it's boring. It's saying mm-hmm. it's dumb. Yeah. What Instant junk. Instant junk. Wretched excess. A cold and sterile horror movie attempting to cash in on the genre audience. Good lord, man. Plot is boring and undermined by the special effects. How? How is that possibly anybody's opinion about this movie? <laughs> lacks drama by sacrificing everything at the altar of gore. Wait. Lacks I bet, drama. I bet what you're reading, though, I bet that these are these are definitely reviews from like the Amish and Mennonites. Oh, right, because yeah. they didn't watch it. Well, the next line in that review is... War buttons minus ten points. Ooh, rough. Yeah, and buttons then, don't they piss off Mennonite? Used electricity. Pass. <laughs> Drinking involved? I think not. No, sir. 
I'd rather be raising a barn was the final line in that last I saw this on Rumspringer. I went back. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite, though. Cine Fantastique's cover story of June had the thing on it with the question, is this the most hated movie of all time? No fucking way. Yeah. Is this the most hated movie of all time? Yep. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. I can't even fathom where they're coming from. I don't get it. But you know, the thing is, though, is the way that you're talking about these trends and anti-trends and, and you know, bias on what people have been listening to yeah. and stuff, or sorry, watching and stuff. Uh-huh. This reminds me in so many ways of like the backlash that and we were talking about this earlier, the backlash that Weezer got over Pinkerton. Oh, right. Because like, it was so different. Well, and, and the thing about it is, is like, it wasn't that much different. It was just way sure. more raw and, yeah. and, and much darker and stuff. But it's like still very much sounds like Weezer, you yeah. know? But people fucking hated that album. And it kind of similar to what you're talking about, John Carpenter's career here. People's reaction and critics' reaction to Pinkerton like derailed Weezer for fucking, what, 10 years, 12 years before they released the yeah. Green album? And all their music past that has been completely different. Nothing like it was in the early A bit days. more poppy, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, way way less like, cause I don't know. There's stuff on there's stuff on Pinkerton that is just very, you know, uh, Rivers wearing his heart on his sleeve, very right. fucking depressing, mm-hmm. real stuff, and it got rejected. So I think ever since then he's just been like, I'll just write silly songs. Oh well, Beverly Hills. Yeah, exactly, dude. Is that compare that to like Butterfly or Across the Sea? Right. Good lord. But yeah, kind of a similar reaction where it's just like I don't understand why critics hated that record so much when they did maybe it's because blue album was so influential Mm. and it inspired so many other bands to do similar things and record labels to sign similar bands with similar sounds by the time pinkerton came out they were just sick of it it's no fault of pinkerton's i i think i this is not uh controversial in any way Mm. um to say that most critics are just repeating the criticism that they read from the critic that they respect. Yeah. And since most of them are doing that, uh, one, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic don't tell you anything. They basically... It's like the the Amazon or iTunes review rule that most are going to fall in five or one. Yeah. Like, critics are almost the exact same way. Like, there are very few that are going to really see a middle of the road. They're going to either hate it or love it. Yeah. And I think especially, like, especially maybe in the 80s when um, you really had to work to get your criticism published anywhere. True. If it was too much of an outlier, it's probably never going to get published. Mm. So you have to stick with the herd. Right, if you're the guy that stuck up for it and said, I don't know what the fuck all these people are talking about. This movie's great. Yeah, if you yeah. were that one guy, you better be Roger Ebert. Right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You better be the guy. Because, like, nobody wants their newspaper to be completely different than the newspaper a town over. Right. Even if it's a, even if it's opinion piece. They yeah, want it to basically... it's just entirely opinion, yeah. Yeah, they basically want it to follow a status quo. I mean, the majority of people. And th- those are the people who end up making these uh, movies make quarter of a billion or, or more money. Those are the average everyday individual that hears about a movie from a friend and goes and sees it. Yeah. Um, and so they just need a critic to be like, yeah, it's good. Take the kids. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. This also suffered from having an R rating because this was before okay. PG-13 yeah. was created. Oh, yeah. And Poltergeist came out with a PG rating. And then this was R. And then this was R. I mean, so. this still would have been rated R, even if there was a PG-13. Oh, yeah, probably. But the thing is, you wouldn't have had that weird gap where it's like, wow, I could take my kids to see Poltergeist. This must be really fucked up if it's rated R. Right, yeah, because yeah. Poltergeist would probably be PG-13. Oh, absolutely yeah. so. Absolutely so. So maybe it would have just lost money for Poltergeist. <laughs> but I just, I couldn't believe that whenever, again, after I'd seen this movie and been like, yes, this is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, it is. And then much later find out, yeah, it was a gigantic flop. I, I couldn't believe it. I absolutely could not believe it. It's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, I, I, I have no more to say about it, honestly. I just yeah. want to move away from it because it's just like, there's no answering it, yeah. is there? Like, there's no. no way of saying what the hell were they thinking. I don't Even, know. Even if we could get one of them in the room right now, they probably... Like, it would be like a Trump voter 20 years down the line. They'll be like, no, I didn't vote for him. Yeah, oh, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I never really liked it. Yeah, a lot of this, people were saying know. bad stuff about it, but I didn't say bad stuff yeah, about exactly, it. Like, exactly. Yeah, you did. Everybody did. I never heard the grab by the pussy thing. I was, you know. Yeah, that wasn't a thing. I didn't think that was real. They yeah. were telling me it wasn't real. Now, the, they. the plot of this movie concerns a group of U.S. research scientists... And they're there in good old Antarctica. Yep. At their Down base. Down in the frozen ice tundra. wall. Oh, I mean tundra. <laughs> and they're down there chilling and hanging out and stuff. And they inadvertently come across this crazy alien life form that had been mm-hmm. living in the ice. And it, one by one, selectively um, consumes and imitates well, perfectly. Well, maybe. I mean, right? Maybe. Mm. And the thing about this movie is, is not only is it a a creature feature of sorts uh-huh. in that it is man battling monster mm-hmm. it's ultimately about man battling man yeah. and man's own fear of his fellow man and paranoia mm-hmm. mistrust exactly mm-hmm. and the way that this movie does it in the context of having these as a dozen dudes right yeah they're uh well that's that includes the two norwegian guys okay so 10 guys in the american base the two norwegian guys so the 10 guys they're stuck in this frozen ice world where there's no contact with the outside world Mm -hmm. it's just them trapped in the base they can't even go outside or they'll die you know you'll die of fucking freezing yeah if you're out there i mean they say it's 40 below yeah i've i've been in 40 below weather it's woof really cold how's that treat you very cold I would imagine very so. very cold <laughs> and the way that these guys are all bottled up into this environment that they're forced to share with each other and getting more and more paranoid it is such a frog in a pot kind of scenario isn't it where the yeah. mistrust and the paranoia yeah. builds to such a degree that you're constantly questioning like okay I don't know who the fuck I can trust and, uh-huh. and even like this is one of those movies that I watch about every once a year or so and I still forget things about it because uh-huh. probably because there's so many characters in it, you know. Yeah. And I, I still watch it and I'm like, wait, is is the dog guy the thing right now? Clark, the guy with the dogs. I can't remember. Is he right. the thing or not? The dad from Mr. Boogie. Is that right? Yeah. My yeah. wife points that out every time. Right on. Yeah. And and you know, Wilfred Brimley's all telling us not to trust him and stuff. Yeah, and he's also talking about oats, so that gets a little confusing. It's true, it's right? Like Quaker oatmeal. I got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What is it? All right, now, how do we cure this? A little Quaker oatmeal. <laughs> cure and your, diabetes. Cure your diabetes. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Oh, the first Wilford Brimley diabetes joke of the podcast. <laughs> We've done well putting it off this long. That is true. 
But, you know, the way that the paranoia grows in this, I, I, I really love because, honestly, the the way that it spends so much time not showing you the creature, not showing you the monster. Yeah. It but of, actually showing it the whole time. Yeah. Without you knowing it. Like, yeah, like there's always... Because once you do see and know that it was there the whole time, it raises that tension more because it's like, okay, now we're... Where is it now? Now nothing looks normal. Right. Everything looks normal, but nothing looks yeah. normal. And you know, that's that's one of the things about this movie that I saw some people critique is kind of like the lack of, of character development in some ways where you just plop right. down in this base and suddenly you're just with these dudes. You don't really know who does what. You just kind of have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But dude, the thing that I think works so well about that is because since we don't get to spend a lot of time with these characters and see the way they interact with each other before the shit starts hitting the fan, right? you don't know if somebody's acting normal or not. Like, you just right. met all these people. So you're like, is he acting normal? Is that uh-huh. how he always... Like, Clark, the dog guy, uh-huh. turns out he just kind of acts weird. Yeah, he's just a, a weirdo normally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the fact that you don't have a lot of time They're with these characters... They're all probably a little weird. I mean, like yeah, being totally. separated from all of society with just a few dudes, you're going to end up being a little bit weird. I would imagine so. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about this movie, dude. A bunch of people trapped in an isolated environment, mm-hmm. being really hostile and not trusting each other. It's yeah. just... It, it's incredible the way they play that in this movie. This is, uh, I would say where uh, 30 days a night failed right yeah is it that, had the potential for the same thing it yeah. had potential but it never it didn't play off of any of that tension that isolation the separation the in 30 days a night you know who not to trust the people who look like aliens and speaking in a weird language those guys yeah but in this yeah it's it's much more vague um so this is one of those movies where um, there have been so many critical assessments of the thing. It's up there with like The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't know that I'll have anything new to bring to this, but I right. because of that, I want to point out some of the critical assessments. And we've been talking one of the main things, themes that everyone sees in this is, you know, the the loneliness, the paranoia, the mistrust, yeah. the separation, isolation. Yeah, isolation. Uh, and so a lot of people see this as uh, dealing with Cold War tensions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And All in the this, communist witch hunt. Yeah. And in this case, this ends with mutually assured destruction, which right. is what we thought the Cold War was going to end in. Right. So you could very well look at it from that perspective. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's also the elements of the Red Scare and McCarthyism where you're possibly a communist and maybe you're a communist like yeah yeah you maybe you're the thing you might be the thing yeah, i don't they've know infiltrated us they're among us yeah infiltration and uh in interestingly enough infection you can think of okay this is at the beginning of the hiv epidemic damn it dude i okay that was literally what i was just about to add uh-huh. to the conversation that i yep. just thought of like the other night i was like man and and it was funny while we were talking about it beforehand I Google like when did the AIDS crisis start, yeah. and like it was kind of officially recognized in '81, uh-huh. and it, it's so funny that you took it there because I was thinking the same thing. I was gonna say maybe I'm way off base here, but you could also very much look at this as yeah, uh, kind HIV. of an allegory for the mm-hmm. AIDS crisis. I mean, it's it's a bunch of dudes 
you could take that as a, a homosexual metaphor. Yep, They're sharing the stuff that. with each That's other. That's actually one of the things that I want to and, focus on. And is, you, you know what, too? I mean, uh, an, another side of that, sorry. No, it's okay. Is that uh, I remember hearing very early on that HIV was possibly spread to humans by animals. Uh-huh, and yeah. And an animal brings yeah, for some the reason, thing to the space. Um, you know how, like, when... People who have nothing to think about all day but Jesus try to come up with <laughs> the possible ways that something bad Oh, yeah, happened. those things, right. Yeah. This uh, is one of those. And so they're like, well, gay men are getting this probably because somebody fucked a monkey. Right. Because mm-hmm. that would make sense. Now, it is more likely. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Okay, unbiased. Less likely somebody fucked a monkey. More likely, someone killed a monkey to eat it, had a cut on okay. their hand, right, and got HIV. A bloodborne bacteria. Yes, because Very you know what possible. happens a lot? People kill monkeys to eat them. They do. You know what happens very rarely, maybe 0% of the time? Fucking a monkey. I mean, a monkey can tear your fucking face off. Yeah. Even like, that's the thing, like, yeah, when Christians think about it, they're like, well, they're gay, so they want to fuck everything. Yeah, yeah, even animals. Because that's what gay means. Um, <laughs> God, and how dude. could you resist yourself? So you said that kind of ties into something you oh, said yeah, about so, the So cast. one of the things that I, th- I think is the most interesting and probably best reading in this movie is that it's about masculinity. Oh, that's why there are no female characters. Okay, because well, that is kind of a curious. That's point. not why, but uh, okay. The, if if that is what it's meant to be about, that's why there are no female characters. But the, the, this is why people think it's about masculinity is because there are intentionally no female characters. So right. it is men in conflict with each, conflict with each other, and what we find about masculinity when men are in conflict with each other is that they don't get intimate. They don't confess to one another, mm. and they don't empathize with one another. Okay. Which is why it all turns to paranoia and fear, uh. instead of each individual saying, this happened to me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to figure out a way to fix this. Yeah, yeah. And the other mm. people being like, instead of burning this person immediately, <laughs> let's see if there's a way yeah. for us to figure out what's going on. Do you think... You'll get better. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Lobster Hand guy. Yeah, you think maybe if we give you a little time, you'll get a little bit better? But it's also interesting because when there are no women, all men, it's easy to turn to thinking of homosexuality and homosociality. Sure. This, homosociality. Homosociality is, is the way men interact, not, not in a sexual con. Like, not just men. The way people interact... With their own sex uh-huh. uh, in a non-sexual context. Okay, I, didn't, I wouldn't show yeah. what that meant. I was so, homeschooled. So the homosocial part would be the lack of intimacy, the lack of confession, the lack of empathy. They should have started a podcast up there. They should, yeah. They would have had something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the homosexual aspects that people have pointed out are real interesting to me. Okay. Because of the themes of penetration by the thing. Okay, yeah. It's massive use of tentacles. Mhm. There's some uh, there's some squirting of liquids in there as well. And uh, the fact that Norris uh, who's the defibrillator 
right, chest right. guy yeah, yeah. births himself out of his chest. So there are these okay. elements of masculinity being chipped away and uh, an introduction of homosexuality even to the point of masculinity becoming femininity itself and the ability to give birth spontaneously oh, wow. through, oh, through the, this penetration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, is one of those things you see in, in a lot of um, simple organisms and stuff. When when there's only one sex yes. in a group, it will become... Uh, what's Spontaneously the word? becomes a woman, yeah. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Hemaphroditic, where it yeah. becomes both and can reproduce on mm-hmm. its own. I think I'm using the wrong word. You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, the idea that he... Uh, that they begin birthing these yeah. new creatures themselves, and that they're and how fucking scary that would be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That is, I mean, but that that's an interesting thing about birthing that's in cool. general that I don't think men think about a lot, especially men who are an, uh, anti-abortion. <laughs> they don't think about it as a thing that happens to a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, a baby is a is a object that grows in you. Hmm. And it hurts. Yeah. And it's not fun. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to push it out, and it hurts. And, and it's there's not no fun. telling what it's going to be like when it comes and, out of and, you. And then you're responsible for it. Yeah, Because Jesus. it grew in you. Yeah, yeah. But you might not even like it. It's kind of interesting because a lot of these things that you're talking about, about uh, masculinity and, and male birth uh-huh. and uh, pregnancy and stuff yeah. like this are also themes that are explored, I think, very heavily in, in Ridley Scott's Alien. Yes. You know? Yeah. So there are similarities, for sure. For sure, man. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I mean, uh, they also tried to market this as similar to Alien. Yeah. And I think that there is some of that. It but does have a flamethrower. It does have a flamethrower. Right. But it... It's so different. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, completely different. So it's different. a very, very, very different kind of movie. And I don't know. That's that's the thing that's interesting about it is like, ultimately on paper, this and Alien are the two greatest sci-fi horror films ever made. Yeah. You could also describe them as a team is stuck in a single location. Mm-hmm. There is a foreign creature among them. Yeah. And they're getting picked off one by one. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's both movies, actually, but they're both completely fucking different. You could also say about both of them that the encroaching fear is in some ways feminine. Sure. Um, the Obviously, an alien, it was intended to be uh, sort of feminine with also a penetrating oh, very tongue much so. yeah, dick, yeah. Yeah. basically. Uh, and then in this, it's... Uh, I would say it's supposed to mimic a f- supposed feminine en- energy okay. that is being changeable, being flexible, being unknowable. Yeah, unknowable, mysterious. Like it, like that that is obviously not true of actual women, but of the the concept of femininity well, that I, th- it I is, think it is real of the the male fear of yes. femininity. Yeah, and so that's what this is. Yeah. And that that is exactly what I feel uh, is the most accurate reading of this is that it's a it's about a fear of femininity. It's mm. about a fear of uh, embracing this unknowable, embracing this fluid sort of thing, and also because you don't embrace it, it's killing you. Well, you know, I think in addition to those themes too, which 
that's that's how, that's how you know you're dealing with a really great flick is you know and we'll talk about this whenever we do the shining there's just a million ways you can look at this oh yeah and they're it's all, all over right the place. yeah like i think one of the big themes in this movie too is there there's a lot of themes of survival mm-hmm. you know of, of a species doing everything that it can to survive because basically when they start figuring out how the thing works and they describe it as, you know, even it's, even it's blood will run away. Yes. You know, where it's like, it, it's sole intention is to survive. Uh-huh. And the whole crew is like, oh my God, holy shit, this is crazy. But then at the same time, that's the exact same thing that drives humans. Yes. And they start literally like fucking killing each other and not even caring. Mac fucking shoots Clark, finds out he's a human. No remorse even for a second. No. Because it's survival. Well, it's all about yeah. survival. I mean, I I get it. I get like in that moment, I get exactly why he feels the way he feels. Because yeah, Clark, Clark was gonna stab him with was a gonna scalpel. stab him. Yeah, Clark uh, assuming the same about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all about yeah. They they're turning on each other. It becomes all about survival yeah. and individualism yep. and being completely separated and not working together. Yeah, and yeah, classic. The uh, tropes of masculinity. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> exactly. Very much so. And just humanity in general. And they portray it as so scary when it's this alien that's doing everything it will to survive. Yeah. But then these guys who are like tight with each other uh-huh. are picking each other off. Yeah. One by one. It doesn't even matter to them. Um, it's about survival. It's and awesome. a lot. I, I think that this is almost at the root of the masculinity femininity issue mm. is the fear of loss of the self. Okay, well, that's the kind of at the, horror of, uh, at the core of a lot of body horror, yeah. Cronenbergian movies. Right. Yeah. The fear of losing your identity yeah. and the fear of losing your free will. Right. Because once that, this thing takes you over... Yeah, and that's where the masculine-feminine energy thing that I was talking about, I think, plays in a lot. Because cool. in, this, in this perspective, uh, feminine energy would be the energy they would use to work together. To find out to for the benefit of each other, yeah, yeah, and to help each other survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they were to embrace that, they do lose some of their free will because some of their free will involves maybe stabbing one guy, maybe shooting the other guy. Yeah, yeah, like all all of these things that they would do by themselves individually, they would have to give up to work together as a group to determine what the issue is and to actually weed it out. Yeah. But to do that, they would have to give up that masculine individualism. individualism. Yeah, yeah, that lone wolf mentality. The lone wolf mentality, which is what I think is sort of real genius about this movie is that um, a hero emerges. We're not shown a hero from the beginning. Like, I mean, right. we're first introduced to Kurt Russell. And normally the first person you're introduced to in a movie is either the he's antagonist, build, yeah. the protagonist or the antagonist. Yeah. But um, he's not shown as a hero. He's shown as an alcoholic who... Uh, <laughs> hates computers. Hates computers, hates the cold, etc. <laughs> um, so he um, he's not exactly a hero from the beginning. Nobody ever emerges as heroic in the sense of I want to save us all. No, no, not at all. Uh-uh. Yeah, everybody's out for themselves. Well, uh, honestly, the only guy that ever really does get to that point, although it's kind of hard to tell uh-huh. given the circumstance, is Blair. Yes, because Blair, dis- you know, Blair, who's fucking infected by the thing, uh-huh. so he destroys out. any way of getting out. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, if if I get out, if I'm infected, God knows who yeah. else is infected. 
if we get out into civilization, we're all fucked. Yeah. I've got to cut off all lines of contact, communication, yeah. and and chance of exit for us so that we won't kill everybody. Like, but Blair's then, the only one that does it. As the thing slowly takes him over. Yeah. That, He's like, oh, I can come back inside. Yeah. I won't come back inside. It's interesting. Like, I, I think that, um, well, we'll get into yeah, yeah. who's infected in a little hero. bit. But yeah, we're talking about the hero. There is a, there is, this is, could be seen as two movies. If you saw this movie from Blair's perspective. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. That's a completely different and new take on the movie. Basically seeing him change is what you would see. You'd see him go through the process of learning what he needs to know to stop it while also becoming it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting story. That's a fucking cool ass movie. Yeah, it is. For sure. Yeah. Now you're exactly right, man. Yeah, there's not really a clear uh, uh, hero, like you said, but we've got a whole bunch of people in this movie that still manage to stay, I think, pretty unique and individual yes. characters. We don't get to know a ton about all of them, you no. know? Yeah, because, like, there's the guy with the gun who's, like, the they call him Colonel or something, or Lieutenant? Or Ga- is it Gary? Gary, yeah. kind of older guy? Yeah, he doesn't have a... Not a lot of personality. personality. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the other doc. There's there's two doctors. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the one they call Doc. Doc, right. Yeah. Which who is has Copper, a, right? Uh, yeah, Copper, Copper, who has a nose ring that we could talk about for three hours. <laughs> He's just a, an old man in the 80s with a nose ring, I guess. The old dude in the 80s with a nose ring. That's like, unique. What? what the fuck? Yeah. That's I don't the know. weird. Anyway, that's maybe the weirdest thing in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> His nose ring. What His the nose fuck? ring. We got Dr. Blair, of course, Wilford Brimley. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, 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 Childs, that's his name, yeah. who is maybe our second, our third possible hero. Sure. Keith but David. Keith David. He's awesome. This is his first film role, first he is credited film role. A hard ass. He is. In and, this. And, and that's insane to me to come in your first credited film role and just fucking kill it. I want to know who pulled the trigger on that casting choice. Who was just like, yeah. "This is the fucking guy." He's like, "No, you know, let's not get." Who, well, who else is up for the part? Uh, they had uh, Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes, legendary. Uh huh. They had uh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, dude. And uh, what's his name? Played Winston Zedmore. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, fuck Winston Zedmore. I mean, that's yeah. Winston Zedmore. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, they were all up for the role. And then um, they saw, saw Keith, David, Keith David, and they were just like, "No, this is the guy." Keith David's fucking awesome, man. He's so great, he and is like, awesome. um, we've seen him in a million movies since then. Oh yeah, he's in everything. Um, he was also in the sixth season of Community, which was oh, great. Yeah, shit, he's so funny in it. Um, but yeah, Keith David just comes in and and kills it, and his character is, I guess. The only way to describe it is he's he's black Kurt, Kurt Russell. Pretty much, yeah. Like his character is the same. Yeah, he's he's, he's hard ass. He's yeah. Um, yeah. Now that, now that you mentioned, it, I hadn't thought about yeah. that. But yeah. I mean, the differentiation between them exists because they constantly are in conflict with one another. Yeah, yeah. Which is often true of people who are similar. Oh yeah, yeah. They, They're two kind of kind of alphas, button yeah. heads right there. Yeah. So, yeah, Keith David, I think is. Like, there are moments where, like, there's a moment near the end where Keith David kind of disappears yeah. and then comes back, and then, of course, they suspect him of being the thing. Sure. Where I'd love to know what happened during that time. Oh, I know. Like, there was a scene that was supposed to happen that got cut because of budget. Really? Yeah. 
But like I would I'd love to I'd love it if this were a three hour movie, basically is what I'm I would saying. Too. I would too, man. I'd watch all of that. Yeah. I'd be so interested in seeing all these little elements that got cut out. Absolutely so. Because there's apparently a lot of stuff that got cut from this. Yes. Either for just editing choices or yeah. like you said budgetary reasons. And it's one of those things I don't think I noticed the first time that I watched it. Yeah. But on subsequent times of watching it, you notice there's like weird time gaps and time jumps mm-hmm. that happen throughout this movie yeah. and you're like okay how the fuck long has Blair been out in that shed yeah because he, what's going on like even if he used like crazy the thing uh morphing tunnel skills powers, yeah. to make tunnels like he then b- built a spaceship also I'm just impressed as fuck to know that in 1982 mm-hmm. we could have just been slapping parts of our tractors and helicopters uh-huh. together to make a flying saucer. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? Head out into the cosmos. Everything has been right here in front of us. Yeah. It was such a tiny, cute little spaceship, You know that actually... Too. It was so small. That actually is true, though. Everything that we ever needed to go to the moon was here in uh, when the Roman Empire existed. Shut the fuck up. We just didn't do it. What? So... Everything we need for interstellar travel probably is here. Probably isn't a tractor and a helicopter. Probably isn't a tractor and a helicopter. <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some odd, questionable time jumps and stuff in this movie that, I mean, frankly, don't really bother me, you know, because it, it kind of draws me into that sense of paranoia and weirdness and stuff. Because at that point, when you're spending days up here isolated with these dudes in this place where it's probably, you know, dark 18 hours a day mm-hmm. i'm sure the day and the 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 week and the time and stuff does become pretty blurry yeah so to me that's all okay yeah like i'm fine with the weird time gaps no i'm fine with it too because it <clears throat> i think all the weirdness in here just provides more tension i think so too so like not knowing what happens like seeing people walk off and then not knowing what happens and seeing them come back is like where the fuck have you been? Yeah, where yeah, you start to feel like everybody else would feel. Where yeah. the fuck have you been? What's yeah. going on? So like if we did see everything. Oh, there'd be there'd be no yeah, there'd be to no mystery everybody. to everybody. Yeah. yeah. The fact that the narrative is unreliable makes this better. Like yeah. we've talked about some other movies in the past where it's just like the fucking movie shows you something that then later turns out to not be true. Yeah, you're like, like well, fuck well, you fuck for you believing then. Why do yeah. yeah, why would you show me this? Mm-hmm. But in this movie it's like it doesn't show you stuff on purpose. Like, dude, one of the things that I caught this time uh, watching the movie is near the first, whenever the the dog is just like walking around the base, it walks into somebody's room. Uh Uh-huh. And you just see their their shadow. shadow. And apparently John Carpenter had somebody that was just on the crew... Yeah, so you can't guess who it is. Yeah, so you don't look at it and go, oh, that's Wilfred Brimley's hair. Also... who the I, fuck? Who the fuck got infected right there? Was it Blair right there? That's what I mean. Was it McCready right that's there? That's what I assumed was it was Blair, but yeah. it could have been anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, also interesting about the dog is how well they shot the dog to make it look like it's thinking. Oh, dude, that dog is amazing. It's like mm. half wolf, half mm-hmm. I think Malamute or something. Mm-hmm. And like every moment that they catch it, like. Like when it turns around and looks at the helicopter, it looks like it has thoughts going through its head. When like, it walks in the kennel and uh-huh. it doesn't look at the other dogs, it just looks, it just looks at, at the, the wall. wall. Yeah. 
Holy shit. So crazy. I mean, that's best acting by a dog ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, P.S., this is pretty fun. So at the start of the movie, whenever it shows the, the Norwegians chasing the, uh, they're Sarah Palining, that wolf dog, uh-huh. you know? Right. Those distant shots, it's not the same dog. That Really? Yeah. That is like a shepherd or some other kind of dog that has been painted to look like that. Oh. Like Malamute kind of dog. They painted the dog? Yeah. I, I, guess, I don't know if he just wasn't free for filming that day or uh-huh. what, or if it was a reshoot kind of thing. But he had other obligations, other dog obligations. Yeah, you know, oh, I gotta go pay my dog bills. I gotta take a nap. Yeah, bone. Well, yeah I, I don't mean, know. So yeah, that's a, that's some kind of other dog painted to look like Jed is the crazy. dog's name. Yeah, but no, you're right. The acting on that dog is fucking amazing. Uh-huh. And then man, alive, dude, that that kennel scene, the kennel oh, transformation gosh. scene. Dude, there's, like, there's nothing that could have prepared you for that the first time that you watched that movie. Like, I remember, I, I still vividly remember the first time that I watched this movie. And that kennel dog transformation happens, what, maybe 30 minutes into yeah, the movie? Yeah, it's about 30 minutes into the movie. There's nothing that's prepared you for what you're about to see. No, you all you know is that there's been a mystery uh, over in this Norwegian camp. Yeah. And some guy killed himself. Yeah. That's all we've seen. Nothing alien, nothing monstrous, nothing at all like what you see whenever it shows the dog's head like writhing around and then it opens up like a flower. Opens up and the skull falls out. Holy shit. And it's still moving around. And and then like when it gets to the final transformation, it just has eyes. Everywhere, yeah. All over the place. Like that's like the most disturbing stuff to me is um, because... If you imagined if the thing had, I, I don't know, like uh, snakes for fingers. Yeah, yeah. Like you'd be like, yeah, that that's weird. But in this case, it's like, no, it's got snakes for intestines. Yeah. That uh, end in a, a huge bone. Yeah. That's just a conglomeration of skull and femur. And, and big eye stalks. Yeah, just eye stalks and, and, crab and spider legs. legs. Yeah, crab legs and tentacles and... It's everything uh, that like, nightmares are made of. It's insane, yeah. And it's not because it's specifically trying... I mean, if you're talking about as an organism, it's not because it's genetically evolved to look scary or predatory or whatever. No. It's just because it's trying to figure out what the fuck's around it. It's trying to fit in, which is... Another way of looking at this movie that I had. Yeah. Which is this movie's about fitting in. Oh. There's a sweet message to this movie. It's yeah. about how hard it is to fit in. Aww. And how people just don't like you try to fit into a group and like if from the outside <laughs> observations you're like, Okay, I think if I say this or if I tell this joke it'll do it and if it I just spray fall. this dog with this purple liquid. Right. Maybe it'll yeah. Be like, oh, are you guys mad about the dogs barking? I'll spray it with this purple liquid. I'm trying to help, guys. I'm, I'm just, just trying, trying to help. To help. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's about it's about assimilation and and like fitting in, but also mostly from the negative perspective about how like I saw somebody say that this was about like post Vietnam like I- identity Jeez. fatigue. Wow. Where like everybody during that Vietnam era and during the sixties it was all about individualism and finding your identity and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And about how finding your identity is so alienating. Wow. Because once you become that identity, you're you are that's you. Yeah, yeah. Now. And that means you're not everyone else. Mm. Which means you've separated. That's great. 
But now, like, the next step is coming back into the fold and saying, all right, what do I have to change about myself so that we all get along? Right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And this movie is about not being able Damn. to do that, not being able to do it right. Hmm. Well, and you know, too, that, that uniformity or assimilation thing kind of fits into the into the communist kind of uh-huh. metaphor, too, where it's yeah. like, if you look at the guys on the base, they're all very individualistic mm-hmm. every man for himself mm-hmm. and then you have the thing which is like we are a collective consciousness yeah we are only working to better our own colony right you know we don't even know the thing is a villain that's the thing right yeah, yeah it's just another organism yeah it might be trying to make our planet better yeah i mean that you know it's like is jaws a villain yeah because jaws, really. jaws is just eating yeah it's just an animal and is the is the the xenomorph an alien a villain no not really they came it's to just it. a, yeah it's a foreign <laughs> organism yeah but you know ultimately that's one of those things that that's why all of these movies connect with people and why they're all scary it goes back to fucking when we were living in caves and we're like this wolf wants to eat me that's yeah. the scariest thing yeah it is yeah because it's just trying to survive it's just like yeah. me too it just wants a fucking bite yeah <laughs> that's true you can't even be mad at it no it's just you can't to eat. but it's ultimately about survival it is you know so you gotta you gotta kill it or be killed. Absolutely so. Man. And the kills in this movie are great. Are the fucking best, dude. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like Rob Rob Botton and the special effects team, which also there's an kind of a, a partially credited Stan Winston here too. I think Stan Winston created the the dog creature, is that right? He did. He did the dog creature. The design was already there and um Botten just didn't feel like he could make it work and yeah. look right. Stan Winston uh, basically ended up making it a hand puppet with motorized eyes. That is insane. So there's somebody in there working that. <laughs> and dude, like, uh, j- j- just a PS about that dog monster thing. So whenever like its its face like peels off and like turns mm-hmm. into those like petals, mm-hmm. each of those petals is made up like thirteen dog tongues. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. So it, it's so sick because the thing creature itself is almost, uh, it's like very fractal. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Where it's just like, yeah. I am made up of repetitions of the same thing, getting yeah. sequentially smaller over and over yeah. and over again. There's like all these weird fractal designs with the, fucking awesome. the way that, yeah, that it regenerates itself. Stuff. Fucking badass. Whoa. That, that character design is so sick. Yeah, it's great. But you know, Rob Botton, like we said earlier, he was... He was a kid when he did yeah, this. He was, he very was young. like barely could buy beer. He uh, he he lived on the Universal lot for over a year making this movie. That's like, insane. Lived. He didn't take a day off. He stayed on God, the Universal man. lot for a year. But and he he said after this that you know he kind of screwed himself because he kept hoarding all the work. Well, he dude, kept deciding yeah. that nobody else could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know. As much of a blow as this was to John Carpenter, god damn, how much of a blow was it to him to to yeah. have his work seen of a year of his life spent living in the studio and his people like Ooh, did so get praised in some ways. Okay. Like right. some people gave him high praise, but a lot of that praise was always sort of um uh, undercut the, by people saying that it was too gross or too nihilistic right. or too it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It really really but is. But that's I mean that's what they were going for. 
Those like, you, can't, you can't be mad at the effects no, person for doing what for being was told affected. to do. Yeah. Right, yeah. Those effects where, um, like, during the uh, uh, the res- resuscitation uh-huh. scene where the guy's arms get bitten off, which is like a, a guy that bitten was an off amputee. by a rib ca- Yeah. Yeah, and they, they just put, like, Gelatin jello. Bones. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy, That's a man. Guy, like, all great ideas. Amazing Practical stuff. effects lead you to do some really cool stuff. And then when, when the guy's head is, like, separating from the body and uh-huh. rips off, all that stretchy shit that's connecting the torso to the yeah. head... It's like this rubber bandy, gooey, gacky stuff. Yeah. And there's like these little like liquid balls that are formed and pop and blister yeah. out and stuff. I mean, it's it's absolutely fucking insane. And apparently all this stuff that Rob Botton was using to make all these devices, everything was extremely uh, flammable, extremely toxic. Mm-hmm. Like he was apparently just kind of slowly poisoning himself the yeah. entire time that he was doing this. There's some incidents where... Uh, actually, during that that scene, whenever they filmed the original one, he'd spent like I can't remember how long they said it was like months building this you know this fake body of the guy who's you know chest bust open uh-huh. and stuff like that. And they were filming the scene, and they're like, "Oh well, you know, there's fire in this shot because the flamethrower was shot. We need to turn on a little burner in front of the camera so you see fire in the foreground mm-hmm. when you see the the body with the chest busted open." It ignited all the vapors of all the flammable shit Jeez. that he had used to build this this body for months, destroyed the entire thing instantly, Damn. and also like blew everybody's eyebrows off in the studio. <laughs> I mean, just annihilated everything. Like Rob Botton worked so hard on this that at the age of like twenty one, he was admitted to the hospital for exhaustion. Yeah. Now, us as, like, 34-year-old dudes right now, mm-hmm. we have, like, two days of, of raking leaves, and we're like, I, I can't leave the house today. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah, my back doesn't work anymore. Do you remember how hard it was to get exhausted when you were in your early 20s? I don't think it happened. I, I'm pretty sure it didn't. Yeah. But he reached that point. That's crazy. You have to work fucking hard to reach that point. I bet those chemicals will probably do a bit of that, too. That will probably do a bit (laughs) of it to you. But, you know, they were so smart in the way they did the special effects in this movie because there was some stuff that they they spent hours and hours creating and just scrapped because it didn't look cool enough. Like, there's some stuff at the very end of the movie that they actually filmed as stop motion. Uh Uh-huh. Like, with the big thing, you know, that busts out that Kurt Russell, like, throws the dynamite at. Yeah. Did you see the test stop motion stuff? No. It's out there. You can find it. Okay. And it, it looks like something out of a tool video, honestly. All right. But it just it doesn't it doesn't look right. And even though they'd spent all this time and all this budget on it, John Carpenter was okay. like, it doesn't look good. It do, it's not good yeah. enough. And scrapped He's a perfectionist. It. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever they show the creatures a lot, they're frequently wet and slimy, and there's like flickering light, or the light yeah. is dim, or it's just lit by flickering fire and yeah. stuff. They, this is the age where they just knew the exact right way to show you shit to make you believe in it, you know? Yeah, um, the Dean Kundi and, uh, that's director of photography, and he was director of photography on Halloween. Mm -hmm. He worked directly with, uh, shit, Rob Botton. Yeah. Uh, worked directly with Rob Botton on, on lighting each scene to make sure that they could, show as much of the work as possible because Dean Kundi thought it was great yeah and wanted to be able to show it all but also to use the lighting and use quick cuts to make sure you didn't you you didn't get a moment 
define something artificial. Yeah. That way, you know, it looks wrong. It's supposed to, though. Yeah. Like... The, the melted does, human thing they find yeah. it the first. Yeah, oh. that looks wrong, but it should look wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love uh, specifically in the designs when that head does come off with all that green streaky stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love that the the I guess crab legs and yeah, eye yeah. stalks. Yeah, yeah. Pop out. As like a gyroscopic thing. They pop out at where the center of gravity is at the moment they pop out. It's so like it, logical, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, instead yeah. of it being a head with like some legs coming out of like the that neck. thing from Toy Story. Yeah, or just or the upside down version of it. It's it's like slightly tilted and the legs are coming out of random spots. I hadn't spots. thought about that. Like, it's so disconcerting when you look at wow. it because it's not what you would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were trying to do it, you'd make it look like the thing from Toy Story. But like Rob Botton thought, like, well, if like if the this head thing lands doesn't know this a head way, goes, yeah, this thing doesn't know a head's right side yeah, up or not. It doesn't have aesthetic decisions regarding this lump of yeah, flesh. Yeah, yeah. that's sick. I, I haven't thought it. about that, man. That's really cool. You know, I think the only parts in this that I will say the special effects were like a little like, oh, okay, they 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 could have had another swing at that. That scene uh, after the the blood test scene where it's revealed like windows is the uh-huh. thing or is it windows in that thing no that it's uh because it tries to eat windows palmer palmer yeah and then it try yeah his head turns into a mouth yeah and he, he starts eating windows yeah. yeah and windows is like basically doing a headstand in the thing's mouth yeah and it looks it looks oh it looks a little rough yeah it's a little weird and then also too like windows has had his head inside of this mouth and then afterwards like he's not that banged up he's not, not but he, he's up. thinged up he's thinged up he yeah. got thanged up but not okay banged so maybe up. the thing made him like regenerate maybe damaged tissue and stuff maybe or the thing doesn't know what's inside a mouth yeah like it, it knows that a mouth is a thing so it made a mouth to pull it in oh right but then like there are no teeth or anything and they're chewing them up just, just soft kinda. gummies yeah, just soft gummies <laughs> and goop, probably. Yeah, probably a lot. Of, there's a lot of goop. But even that scene, like, was not that bad. That I was like, no. oh man, fuck these special effects. Like, <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. That's I think the only part in this that that kind of made me go, mm, okay. Was there anything that you caught that you questioned special effects wise? Um, no. I mean, I think maybe the the fake dog head when it splits open like right before that mm-hmm. it, oh and it's kind of writhing yeah it, it doesn't look great only when you're expecting it yeah because i remember like the first time that i watched it i was like oh my god what happened to that dog but then like you know like this time for example knowing that it was about to happen yeah. and i'm going when's it switch to fake dog when does it switch and there it is yeah it's a little obvious if you're if you're like, mm. looking for it but I can tell you as somebody who didn't see it a million times growing up, right? it was very effective the first couple times I yeah, saw it. Yeah, I think it's still all very effective, even like, you know, I, I just think like even if it looks fake and off, that actually just adds to it. Right. Because it's like that it would look fake and off. It, it Yeah. Thing, things have like a particular symmetry to them and a particular way that they're attached to our bodies and when we see them in completely different configurations it's like very disarming. it wouldn't matter if it looked 
absolutely real, yeah. it wouldn't look real. It wouldn't look right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what? Yeah, it's like, how could you make that look, quote, right? <laughs> That's a good point, man. It's a good point. And, you know, in addition to the incredible special effects, I got to point out the amazing matte painting work that was done in this oh, movie, yeah. too. Because it's... Especially with most of the landscape just being snowy, yeah. desolate, and all that stuff, I think it made it a little bit easier for them to make very convincing matte paintings. Yeah, uh, especially whenever they're at the edge of the the, the big space crater where crater. the ship is mm-hmm. at. Yeah, that matte painting is incredible. It is. It looks great. It's made by a dude who worked for Disney for a long time. Oh, really? It was one of his last uh, works. Oh, wow. Yeah, quite a quite a. Quite a one to go out on. Yeah, for real. I do wish I would have gotten to see them exploring inside of that ship a little bit. That would have been great. I would have been okay with that. That would have been great. If you do want to see that, of course, you could always watch the X-Files movie or Alien vs. Predator. Yeah? Uh, apparently spaceships being in Antarctica is a pretty common thing now since the thing. Oh. Like... Trendsetter. They're actually first season of x-files they did an episode that is the thing my buddy Corey was telling me about yeah. that where he was like yeah they have a whole episode that's called like the ice or something yeah. like that that is basically just the thing it's basically just the thing and i i feel like you know in wouldn't that have been 91 maybe yeah i think that first season i feel like at that point you're like oh nobody was is gonna remember this movie because nobody right. saw it might as well I loved it might as well do that story yeah do my little homage to it yeah it's a pretty good homage what do you think about the soundtrack in this movie oh man Anil Morricone that old guy he did all of it for sure oh he and makes John the Carpenter, pizza all over the movie John Carpenter didn't interfere at all um Anil Morricone <laughs> is amazing in case you don't know who he is he um he is Sergio Leone's dude he did all the the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, the Dollars trilogy. Once upon a time in the West. Also, has worked with Dario Argento on oh, yeah. a ton of stuff. He worked on Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Um, he did the Exorcist, didn't he? Uh, he did Exorcist Two. Exorcist Two. Okay, mm-hmm. right yeah. on. Um, he's also worked with Quentin Tarantino on Kill Bill, Death Proof, and Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and Hateful Eight. Yeah, there's some stuff in Hateful Eight that is unused music from The Thing. Yeah. Pretty badass. There's a good bit of unused music from The Thing as well, because uh, Ennio Marconi had some ideas for the movie, yeah. and then uh, John Carpenter kind of gave him some tips or ideas that he wanted to uh, put into the movie and essentially it became a john carpenter score okay see that that's what i was wondering about yeah. i was hoping that you'd done a little looking into this because yeah. whenever you watch the movie other than the parts that have big orchestral beats uh-huh. most of the soundtrack is synthesizer doing extremely simple things like yeah don't don't yeah and that's john carpenter to a t like yeah. when you say film soundtrack all synth simple rhythmic motifs like oh yeah john carpenter when yeah uh john carpenter was asked about it in an interview and he was he said i basically was just providing like sound effects and it's like okay. all right yeah. that's you're really minimizing how much you did put you in. pick up the synth and go don't don't because yeah. that's the soundtrack of this movie yeah <laughs> did you make the soundtrack and you're just calling it sound effects john but Neil marconi he he did uh do a lot for the movie 
uh, for the music. So it's, yeah. it's definitely there, but there's a whole lot of Carpenter influence. I can't fucking complain because who's going to do no. the score for a Carpenter movie better than John Carpenter? Nobody. Like, that's one of those things, man, that honestly kind of has to be... It has to be a bit of a burden mm-hmm. to be John Carpenter and be like, not only can I visualize exactly how this movie should go and look and who should be in it, also know what it should sound like. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I... It has to be like being in a band with like a drummer who can also like sing your guitar solo to you and say it should go like this, uh-huh. and you're like, "Fuck!" I, I thought you were busy enough playing your instrument. Now you're telling me how to play mine too. Like it has to be hard. Drummers, am I right? I know. Who needs them? Every local band. Everyone, dude. Yeah. Fucking everyone. But you know what I mean? Like it has to be really hard to be the guy that is like, okay, this is my first big budget picture. I'm behind the camera all the time. I can't do the soundtrack. I've got to hire it out to somebody, but mm-hmm. I still know how the soundtrack should go. Yeah. So you kind of impose your will. Yeah. I'm not doing the soundtrack, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go and yeah. it's going to make the movie better. So yeah. I can't even be mad about it. But that soundtrack is fucking awesome. It is. He really wanted to work it with an AM Marconi. I, I imagine it, he would prefer to have had it under better circumstances. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that synth thing is so ominous. And so chilling to me, man. Because the thing about it is, is like, it matches the movie so perfectly. For one, it's a it's a synthesizer. Yes, a synth is a thing that imitates real instruments. And this is all about imitation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That whole dom dom, and then just these long pauses, mm-hmm. just kind of leads you to like, what's the conclusion? Like, what's right. about to happen next? It keeps you on edge. And the way he introduces that score, especially every time somebody is kind of like revealed to to be the thing mm-hmm. is so awesome it just it, it chills you every time you hear it man chills you to the bone chills you to the bone love it man so fucking good yeah um we barely scratched the surface on this i feel like uh and and we're at a little over two hours so what are what are the main things that you think that this movie could have done better. Ooh, could have done better. Yeah, let's just stick with a couple. Let, let me let me think while okay. you tell me some of yours. All right, I do feel like, even though what's his name Lancaster who uh, wrote this, even though Bill Lancaster took the original novella from thirty-seven characters and brought it all the way down 37, to twelve. Thirty-seven shit. Yeah, all the way down to twelve. I feel like you could have cut a few more. I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah, I feel there's, like... There's a lot. I was struggling to keep yeah. up with names and stuff. For sure. And I, you do need people to die, I guess. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like it would have been more streamlined with maybe seven characters. Well, you would still need the two Norwegians. So let's say nine characters. Cut yeah. three of the characters. Should be fine. It seems like you could you could repurpose a couple of them as the same person. Like yes. like Gary could also be the cook. <laughs> right. You know exactly. what I mean? It's like there's there's ways. And then to the cook could have a personality. Maybe like, have a yeah. personality. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. There's definitely like I other mean, than is black, wears yeah. skates, Stevie Wonder. Listens to Boombox. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> there's no personality to him. No, not really. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I think they, they maybe could have reduced those down a little bit. I uh I do think maybe 
maybe they could have shortened it down a little bit. I think yeah. there's maybe 15 minutes that yeah that could go in this, and maybe just by shaving three characters, you do that. Exactly yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, like there's there's moments in this where I'm like, okay, that was interesting, but was it necessary? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean, for me. I don't feel like there are many other issues except for... Yeah, I was going to say length. Yeah. Too many characters, maybe. I mean, maybe if we had just gotten to see a little bit more with uh, Wilford Brimley. Like, not, not, not to give us a definitive he has changed. Yeah. But maybe just show more of him. Like, because... We get him sitting at the computer with that computer simulation. That <laughs> that, that crazy advanced 1981 yeah, computer that, that takes, can simulate dog cells. Right, and it just takes <laughs> too long. And, like, I I think, like, I would like to have maybe seen a scene of him a little more frantic alone. Yeah. Because we get him suddenly become frantic and start destroying everything. Yeah, and shooting at people and but stuff. But, like, maybe a scene leading up to that where he starts to realize, like, the implications of everything. Like, yeah. Because the character is interesting and his story arc is interesting. And we kind of, there's kind of a gap in the middle that I guess is necessary to not reveal to us immediately. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the whole thing is with, with Blair, like, the reason they don't show you that part of his story is because it's supposed to be revealed yeah. that he's the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, I mean, that that's just a small thing and really isn't even necessary. Right. Because this movie is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> like, it's, it's hard you, to find anything to change. Let me ask you this would you change the ending? The ending is a love it or leave it thing. No, this. I wouldn't. I think the ending's fucking awesome. I do too. It's I, so bleak. The it's actually a compromise ending for a more bleak ending that Bill Lancaster wrote, where they uh, they're both sort of sitting in the the bombed out building. Yeah. Cut to spring. They're still alive. Helicopter arrives and saves them. Both of them. Yeah. Okay. Keith David and Kurt Russell. But they survived, of course, because they're both the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the only so, way you live. Yeah. Um, and That's John Carpenter cool. thought it was a bit too small yeah, of yeah. a thought. Like, like now they're going to infect the world. Yeah, like, no questions kinda, asked. Everybody's doomed. Yeah, it kind of undercuts yeah. all the meaning of everything up to that point. Right. Yeah. But that that is a brutal ending. But yeah, the ending is. that we get is brutal and... We have to decide now, Ben, which one's the thing? Are either one of them the thing? Are they both the thing? Are they both the thing? Yeah, you know, that's that's the that's the uh, the real point of contention here. And if you go online, kind of like you were saying earlier, there's so many different analyses of everything that goes on at the very last part of this movie. I mean, let, let's talk about the, I think, the most popular one, which is that, that Childs is the thing, that yes. Keith David is the thing. That seems to me to be the obvious one yeah you have the whole thing where kurt russell's out there he's breathing and it's like a damn steam locomotive right and there's some people that'll tell you that keith david doesn't have any steam coming out of his mouth at all he does have a little a little it's very little very kurt russell very 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 Uh little but there there is some uh there is this other thing that i learned about earlier where apparently they did this special thing with the lighting in this movie uh-huh. that was very deliberate where any character that is human 
if you look in their eyes, it's, it, I can see it in your eyes right now. Right, this lamp there's a glint. I read about that. Yeah, there's a little light point uh-huh. in the eyes. And any character that is the thing, it's just black. They took a, that point of light away. Huh. Through most of the ending, Keith David yeah. doesn't have the point of light. There's one or two shots where it looks like he does. Hmm. Might have just been an accident. Might have just been a glint from the fires in the background. Yeah. But it does seem that they deliberately eliminated the eye shine for his mm. scenes at the end. To me, the biggest smoking gun is the fact that he's wearing completely different clothes from the last time you saw him. Yeah. Yeah. They he, make a point to he tell disappears. You, the thing shreds your clothes. Yeah. He comes back with completely different clothes. Yeah. I don't really understand in that time of crisis him being like, time to change my jacket. I don't see that happening. This jacket is so last month. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's the biggest giveaway to me but then there's there's other fun stuff that people have surmised mm-hmm. too have you have you read anything about the, no, the whiskey bottle let's uh let's just open this other beer here how about we do that who gave, who gave us this this is a very special beer from our fan scott manning who sent us a whole fucking giant box full of beers from local breweries in new mexico and i am so excited to crack into these man Super, super sweet dude, man. I mean, seriously, he sent us a ton of stuff, and I, I cannot wait to rip through these on the next several episodes because yeah. I've never had any of these. Which one is this? This is a Ska Brewing Modus Hopperandi India Pale Ale, and it's got some some Ska-looking dudes on the front. Yeah? I've heard of this brewery before. I've okay. heard that they make really good stuff. Well, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to trying it. Now, tell me okay. about this whiskey bottle. The whiskey bottle. So, some people's idea... And again, this is a, this is just fan conjecture and shit. That's got a really nice color to it, very deep amber. So, some people have conjectured that as the guys were like kind of exiting the base and destroying it and stuff, they were making all those like Molotov cocktails and uh-huh. shit, right? So the idea is that whenever you see Kurt Russell walking away from the base with that bottle of J and B, yeah, that's actually a bottle of gasoline or kerosene. Okay, I think I read this one. Yeah. Right. And so he offers it to drink. Yeah, to, to Keith David. Keith David, and he takes a drink. Yeah. Because he does give him a significant look after that. He does. Yeah. Well, he, and he was like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, let's just uh, stay here and wait around a little while and see what happens. Yeah. And he gives him the bottle. Keith David drinks a sip of it. As soon as he drinks a sip, you get don't don't uh-huh. in the soundtrack. Yeah. Kurt Russell looks and kind of laughs. Uh-huh. And it's very like, oh, yeah. But, okay, that's kind of a stretch because before Keith David walks up, you see Kurt Russell almost take a sip of the bottle. He, like, raises, right. he raises it up. But, you know, again, you can bullshit your way out of that and be like, well, maybe he saw Keith David coming and was like, uh-huh. I want to trick him into thinking I'm drinking this like a human does. Or maybe he was going to commit suicide. I've heard people say that. I don't think he would give up like that though mm. i really don't i don't think that that fucking kurt russell's character i don't think mccready would do that well i think i mean if he knew that it's possible that he's infected which okay that's uh this is a theory i have is that everybody's infected okay that it just it, it it's uh more slow in others it depends on time of infection it, it also to, depends yeah. on people who seem to be able to fight it in yeah, some way it does seem that way yeah but i'll tell you what i think the biggest kind of smoking gun of the whole thing is about Childs. So McCready's walking away from the the burned out base and stuff after Uh he's blown the thing up. Childs walks up and Childs says, are you the only one that got away? Hmm. He doesn't say, are we the only ones? He says, are you the only one? 
Hmm. You who is not like me. You who? I mean, it's right fucking there. Jeez, okay. Are you the only one? What's that beer smell like? What's that it smell like? Fucking it smells awesome. really good. I mean, did you smell it? Did you taste yeah. it? Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't try it yet. What's it like? Is it going to get good to me? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, wow. That's different. Holy moly. That is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Oh, I like that. That's very piney, kind mm-hmm. of resiny and stuff. Also fruity. Very hoppy. It almost has more of a, uh, a, a double IPA kind of flavor. M- almost, yeah. It's got that maltiness, that kind of molasses mm-hmm. sort of thing. 6.8%. Oh That's damn, dope, that is good. The aftertaste is awesome. Yeah, way to go, Scott. Damn, Scott, Scott dude. City? What was it again? Ska City. Yeah. Ska City Brewing. Holy shit. Well, it's just Ska Brewing. Oh, uh, Ska Brewing. Way to go, Ska, Ska Brewing. Ska Brewing. Okay, but anyway, yeah, like I said, the you're the only one that got away thing. To me, that's mm. that's the big thing. You know, all of this movie would have been solved with one simple solution. Tell me. One person on the team should have spoke Norwegian. That, yeah. Especially yeah. considering that the nearest camp to them apparently was Norwegian. Despite the fact that m- almost any Norwegian you'll run into can speak a moderate amount of English. Seems that way, yeah. This this one can't speak any English. Nothing. Not it. How did they, like, there was no way that they didn't interact. Yeah. They're close to each other. Well, but then again, you just got a question, like I was saying in the intro, what were they up there researching? Because as near as I can tell, they were up there <laughs> researching the effects of drinking and playing ping pong. Yeah. Uh, long-term effects in the snow. Yeah. That sounds like a military experiment. So <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like our tax dollars at work. Yeah. I think is what that sounds like. But um, So <laughs> I, I had to check this out because I had never thought about I had thought about it, but never thought about actually just checking out what it is. What it is that the guy saying in Norwegian. Oh, right, beginning. right. Yeah, yeah. He's saying, get the hell away. That's not a dog. It's some sort of thing. It's imitating a dog. It isn't real. Get away, you idiots. Damn, that is on the nose what's going on. Yep. <laughs> like, Holy shit. If just one of them spoke Norwegian. <laughs> what we have here is a failure to communicate. Yeah. Also, I, I don't get why you see two people in a helicopter shooting at a dog and you're like, I wonder why they're shooting at this dog. Yeah, gosh, they hate dogs. Why wouldn't you just be like, Let's shoot. I guess we should probably shoot that dog. This thing is a problem. Because they're the only other humans we know around here. Yeah. And and they, assume, they care enough to man a helicopter. Yeah, they're in a helicopter with an assault rifle after this dog. Yeah. Like, this dog sucks. Fuck that dog. This is a bad dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is a full-on not good boy. Not a good boy. Mm-mm. Very bad boy. Okay, so do you think there's any chance that McCready is the thing? I do. I think... Um, God, I, I think, think it'd be so sick if he was. Yeah, because like, what is the exposure to it? We see that it's it's on a cellular level, so yeah, I yeah. would assume you can breathe it in. Oh, P.S. on the cellular level thing, uh-huh. that that's another thing against childs. They made this huge point of telling you nobody shares food. Everybody fucking eats from a, their own can of food and stuff. Uh huh. They made a big point of showing that. Uh huh. And. Uh, Kurt Russell just hands in the bottle and drinks it right away. Oh. He doesn't care. He's infected. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's just another point. That is interesting. But I think that, yeah, I think that everyone's infected from the moment that they're in some sort of contact with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe not when the dog is near them all outside because Uh there's more area, more space. Maybe they don't get infected. But once they're inside... Oh man! Or once they go to that Norwegian camp, like I don't know how they're not going to get exposed to it. Well, here's the thing too. Just as a little side note about that, 
What the fuck happened to that one piece of the thing that like escaped into the ceiling? That's a good. It's question. in the dog kennel scene. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like at the very first, like one of the things like sprouts arms, uh-huh, and grabs up into that drop scene. ceiling and is gone. Mm-hmm. Which also kind of leads me to think like maybe there are multiple things helping Blair dig that tunnel and shit. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a hive sh- mind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, both uh, like just segments of the thing and people who were infected must have been helping Blair. Sure, absolutely so. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not like uh, pulling a Ferris Bueller where yeah. it's like they might show up and I'll just be like, oh, I'm here pretending like I might hang I'm myself. under the covers, but it's just pillows. Yeah, yeah he's got a noose in there. Uh-huh. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it would be really cool if it was McCready the whole time. Yeah. Because he totally alphaed himself up and put himself as like, okay, I'm calling the shots here. You're going to do this. We're going to do this blood test thing. You know, and it's like knowing that the thing continuously uh, evolves to adapt to right. survival and stuff like that. So he knows what he's adapting to. Yeah, he's like, like he knows when I put don't this, run when your fucking blood. Yeah, is when in I needle. put this yeah. in my blood, just don't react. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. with the others, they can't do that. Yeah, because they aren't. They can't prepare for it like he can. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to it, and it's ultimately one of those things where you're just like, okay, now you're saying the thing can do anything. So, uh-huh. but. It's still pretty cool to think about. It is. Yeah. Also, let me just let me just back this up a little bit. Maybe another little flaw in this movie. Ben, you look good once you back that thing up. Oh, you're fine, motherfucker. <laughs> I, lo- I loved the radio edit. Was <laughs> back that thing up. Back that thing. And use a big, fine woman instead of use a fine motherfucker. A big, fine use woman. Use a fi- big, fine woman. <laughs> so... We got this research base full of doctors, mm-hmm. scientists, I helicopter like pilots, microbiologists and stuff. Uh-huh. Everybody is like, what the fuck's going on? I don't know. Let's ask the helicopter pilot. Yeah. Maybe could they have made McCready a, a, a biologist he or was a, a In the original, or he's a meteorologist. Which again wouldn't. No. Why would they go to a meteorologist? He's like, I don't know. Cumulonimbus. I'm pretty sure cumulonimbus. Yeah. <laughs> pretty sure. That's all I've got. Yeah. Uh, I can give you a seven day forecast. It's about 30% it's shaky. accurate. It's uh, shaky. I'm not positive. Yeah. It's Antarctica, guys. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Uh-huh. But yeah. You know, I don't it's like know. everybody it turns weird. to like the helicopter pilot all the time and take his word for like gospel. Yeah. And it's like. He's a fucking helicopter pilot. I assume there's like maybe with a big hat. He's got a Turd Ferguson hat. That hat. It's big. It's like that's and how glasses. cool Kurt Russell is. Is that he can wear that hat? Fuck and yeah, he can. What you see is Kurt Russell wearing that hat, not just that hat. Because mm-hmm. if anybody else put that hat on, you'd be like, "What the fuck is that hat?" Big hat. It's funny. <laughs> Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. Yeah. It's big hat. It's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everybody turns to the helicopter pilot for moments of truth they do i assume like there's some backstory there like maybe some military connection or whatever like i think it's it's actually pretty true that uh like when i'm with uh my friend flying brian flying brian who uh the former police officer current uh military guy yeah uh i assume if anything were to go down i i would turn to him like normally he probably knows yeah like normally if i'm with just a group of friends i would i would try to come up with a plan or whatever but yeah. if i was with him i'd be like this guy knows what he's doing he should so like uh maybe that's the situation where it's like he's former military yeah they he's all been in vietnam of, he's been yeah, in the shit 
they respect him, etc. So when this shit starts going down, they're scientists. They were in college during. They the got soft War. hands. Yeah, you might be right. Dude. Maybe that. you might be right, man. You might be right. Or maybe it's just like an inconsistency in the script. <laughs> you know, maybe it's that. That beer is fucking it's awesome. Great. Holy cow, y'all in New Mexico, y'all lucky. For real, I can't All wait that to dig blue meth too. Oh yeah, they got that down there. Yeah, it's the good stuff. And Pontiac um, Aztecs. Uh huh. The Pontiac Aztecs. What a silly car. It's the silliest. I want that car. It also people said it had a connection to it. I remember seeing like the promotional material for the Pontiac Aztec. Don't know why, but it had a connection you could buy for it. There was a tent, so you could open up your Pontiac Aztec. And then have a tent draped down. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So you could still like run electricity and stuff yeah. inside your tent. At Burning that Man. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. At Burning Man. Steve, I've got I've got one more question that uh-huh. I have that I have on my mind. Let's hear it. About this that I want to ask you before we get to our, our final thoughts, unless you've got some more considerations no, you'd no, like let's to hear take. It. Is this John Carpenter's best looking movie? Oh. Cause it might be. It might be. Like all that blue and like pink lighting from the flares and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They in the, like they keep a consistent color palette when they're outside. The blues and stuff yeah. when they're inside, it's more bright, a little bit more orangey. Yeah, very good looking movie, man. This one and I can't think of one that yeah. is better. No. Yeah, it might be. It might be. It might be his most visually impressive movie. I think it's pretty fucking obvious that we we love this. Oh movie. yeah, this is a great great movie. I don't have anything uh, t- more to say about it. The, the I had to stretch for negatives. Right. Yeah. Same. It's same. A ten. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It is a fucking ten. Uh-huh. It is a masterpiece of Which science fiction horror. Will continue to boggle my mind as to how it critically failed. I don't fucking understand it. Yeah. I do not. Commercially, understand I can get it. Not. I mean, I would have loved it, but you know. Any movie can commercially fail. Sure. But for critics to also be like, piece of shit. Fuck this movie. This is for dummies. I do not understand. No. I mean, it's it's gory and gruesome, but it's not even like it was like... Like, if this movie would have come out in 1940, it would have just been like, oh my god, it's so grisly and disgusting. <laughs> but it's like, we've had a solid decade of yeah. really grisly movies. Texas like, Chainsaw Massacre came out eight years before this. Yeah. Like, I mean, even that one wasn't as gory as people remember. No. But even like Maniac is, oh, I, yeah. I think, Maniac. way more fucked up than this. Yeah, that came out in 80, so. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that preceded this that was still grisly and fucked up, but people acted like this is the most gross thing they've ever seen. It's not even a lot of like humanoid mutilation or violence or anything like that it's like whenever people's heads are getting ripped off and shit it's all alien and green and stretchy Mm -hmm. and gross it's like there's not even really that much blood blood in the movie there really isn't you know what I mean there's a lot of alien fluid the scene with the most blood blood is where that guy has slid his wrist and the blood is frozen oh it's so metal that's so cool oh it's so sick dude it's so awesome yeah, I fucking love this movie. The soundtrack, the cast, the look of the movie, the continued mystery as to yeah. what happened, what's going on, who is the thing, who is human. It's one of those that will be discussed for fucking ever. It should be. I yeah. mean, unless John Carpenter on his deathbed comes out and is just like, none of them were the thing, or both of them were the thing, or whatever. It's like, <laughs> that's the only way that we'll stop talking about it. 
is when the man who what fucking if, put it together What if us. he comes out and says, what I didn't tell you is that there were no bathrooms. They shit and made their shit disappear. <laughs> be like, wait, what? Wait, you heard that, right? That's J.K. What? Rowling said that about huh? wizards <laughs> before what? Before wizards discovered in indoor plumbing, they would just shit and then just make it disappear. What? She said that? <sighs> she did. When? This this week, I believe. Or well, I guess for listeners of this, it was like two weeks ago. Is she is she suffering from money poisoning? Yeah, but here's where you the, get a lot of thing. money and your brain stops making sense. Here's the thing for me: what? is like I don't like that. It's just like a detail that it's like all right, whatever. Like when when she comes out and says like, "Oh, Harry Potter would agree with oh, me on Israel." Fucking, what the fuck? That's when I'm about? like, okay, now that's weird. <laughs> that's a little out of left field. <laughs> you made up a character and said it agrees with you. That's uh, delusion, I believe. Is <laughs> what that's called. <laughs> well, what would have been scarier, that or her being like, "Me and Harry have been fighting over Israel." That would have been scarier. <laughs> We've been having harsh words. Yeah. <laughs> like, who's on which side? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a real weird one too. Because it's like to say that Harry would agree with you on something. It's like we all read those books. Harry's dumb. Yeah, Harry's he's pretty dumb. dumb. He doesn't research anything. If Harry would agree with you, maybe you should. Maybe you're dumb. (laughs) Yeah, might be that, man. Yeah, the thing is, an immortal classic, dude. One of the all-time greatest of the entire genre. I mean, it's pretty rare to meet true horror fans are like yeah fuck the thing that movie sucks i don't think i've ever met anyone who would say that i don't think so either i really don't in fact if i have that's probably why they didn't say it yeah they were like when i say this to people they punch me yeah exactly (laughs) again there's that thing about assimilation and blending in yeah yeah yeah. get get right (laughs) you got a cat head sticking out of your shoulder for some reason (laughs) well steve what are we going to be talking about on the show next week on dead and lovely I'm so fucking stoked to talk Me about too. Troll Hunter. Me too. This is one that y'all have been requesting uh-huh. for a long time on the yeah. show because you it's should. fucking it's the best. Awesome. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of a found footage thing. I know a lot of people haven't yeah. watched it, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It's, I wouldn't say, like okay, watch it. it. Fucking watch it. Yeah, it's like that found footage that some smart person developed where they were like, you know, found footage could be by an actual film crew. Right. So it still looks good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what this is. It's by a film crew, so yeah. it looks good. It's kind of like in a weird gray area between a mockumentary and a uh-huh. found footage yeah. movie. Yeah, I would know? say that's very accurate. Really, really, really fucking cool. Very original, very fun mm-hmm. movie with some great stuff in it. So if you've not seen it, be sure to watch it before next week's episode. In the meantime, Steve, where can they find us on social media outlets? At Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We have a Facebook group, Dead and Lovely Horror something, blah, blah, blah. Something, blah, blah. You'll find it. Yeah. Look up Dead and Lovely Horror. See what happens. Join us. We have a lot of fun talking with y'all in there. It's a great time. That's a great time. Um, And also, you can email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It only takes you a moment. But it means a whole lot to us. We'll be forever in your favor, and we will dance at your wedding if you rate and review on iTunes. And if you don't, we'll dance at your funeral. Oh, shit. But, That's hey, sick. pretty cool that we showed up at your funeral. It's pretty tight. Your yeah, guests so. will tell the stories. 
uh-huh. for ages. ages. So it's kind of a win-win situation. That's Review true. or don't. <laughs> you know? Your joys, kids. Yeah. All right. Y'all be sure to tune in next week for another brand new installment of Dead and Lovely. You guys have been great. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see y'all next time. Goodbye. Bye. I'm the thing.